Uh. Live from Cool Boys Central. You can be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. Or you'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just a young boy. What? <gasps> what? <gasps> so cool. Cool? Cool. So cool. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I see cool boys. Greetings, cool boy nation. And welcome to a special Living Dead installment of the Cool Boys podcast. You know what Zach always likes to say? (gasps) I've always wanted to make a religious film and a pornographic film. And I've never really yet had the chance to do either. Maybe if I could combine the two. I'm assuming that's a real quote. It is. I'm fuck me Zack Snyder Felk. And I'm bottomy out Zack Snyder Ballard. Uh. So cool. This episode, we'll be discussing Zack Snyder's The Dead series. <gasps> so we will forgo our cool boy fuck dates. Yes. And get right into Army of the Dead. And all the fabulous <gasps> dead pixels it has given us. Oh, so many dead pixels. So many dead pixels. Literally, the only thing I actually want to talk about is the depth of field and the dead pixels. I did Great. not care about this movie at all. Awesome. Well, let's get into first Dawn of the Dead, right? Let's get a quick cool boy rating of the past films and franchise. Even though it's not um, the same franchise, this, this movie. Eh, it's the dead franchise. and Some people call it the living dead franchise. It's all part of it in a weird way. This movie is definitely not a sequel to Dawn of the Dead like we thought it was. Nope. Um, but it definitely homages things, uh, uh, you know, like Day of the Dead is very much homage to this, along with other genre films, of course. Yeah. Um, but Day of the Dead, I would say, is probably the largest homage, um, at, at least in the beginning, I feel like. What do you mean? But let's talk about uh, Zeus is kind of like Bud, the military presence, uh, the use of, uh, you know, testing on zombies to figure, th- you know, kind of like create like, you know, some type of super soldier. That's Day of the Dead. Um, it's not the entire film of Day of the Dead, and it's not the entire film of Army of the Dead. I'm just saying there's nods to it, especially in the beginning opening of Army of the Dead. Sure. But um, yeah, okay. But Dawn of the Dead, let's talk about that first. Um, I'll do my cool boy rating of this. I love this movie. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly when it came out. It came out the same year as Shaun of the Dead, and it came out the year after 28 Days Later. And everyone comments on it being similar to 28 Days Later because it's, you know, introduced to American audiences, <clears throat> Fast Zombies. 28 Days Later also introduced Fast Zombies to American audiences. Not but zombies. Obviously, well, they're not zombies. Yeah, they're infected. While in uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, they are zombies. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I, I love the uh, appeal of this film. I love the way it's updated. I love that he updated Dawn of the Dead, but he did not update it based on the script. He followed the story, the basics, like just the very basic aspects of Dawn of the Dead and then kind of created his own version of it. Um, and, and I think Dawn of the Dead is, for me, is a four out of five boy film. I really, I think it's fucking awesome. And I love the indie feel to it. I first saw the original, well, I first saw the original Night of the Living Dead when I was about mm, 13, 12 and uh, on VHS blew my blew my little mind uh, in terms of its concept and I <clears throat> was aware not that long after that there were more of these uh, sequel and it took place in a shopping mall and I had all these dreams what could it be what could that movie be like couldn't find it blockbuster video didn't have it Hollywood video didn't have it and those were the only options and didn't get to see it till randomly it was on HBO at like 11 p.m. on a Saturday night when I was like 15 or 16 
watched the original Dawn of the Dead, and that movie quickly became one of my top five movies of all time. So, ugh, I have a lot of Outback Steakhouse burps. A lot going of on gas. Here. There's so much gas coming out of you in the middle of your review of Dawn of the Dead 2004. Very gassy. I'm like, I'm a bloater. Yeah, a bloater. This is a type of, of zombie. Uh, Not in this movie. No, uh, but that that movie really encapsulated because Night of the Living Dead takes place on the day, the night that it's all happening. So, right. so Dawn was the one that tied post-apocalyptic and zombies and really cemented the concept of zombies introduced us to really the what we think of as a modern day like dracula's and well uh vampires and werewolves that's like 300 years worth of fucking romanian romani culture and and werewolves are like skinwalkers like all these other monsters are archetypes that date back decades but zombies are fucking created by one dude in the 60s in, in, in uh, uh, Pittsburgh or out, that's outside of Pittsburgh. Like the, the idea that there's a, a monster that's part of our world that was created by a singular person is so significant to me. And Wait, recently, I thought, he, I thought he created it with someone else. And that's why you got spinoffs from Night of the Living Dead goes Dawn of the Dead. And then, then Night of the Living Dead goes into Return of the Living Dead. Right. Like because there's Dan O'Bannon. There's didn't, no, that's Dan O'Bannon. He didn't have anything to do with the original involvement. And Dan O'Bannon's zombies are very different than Romero zombies because they're sentient and uh, say brains and also oh. can't, be, can't be killed by the bullet there's to the something. head. There's something. There's something. No, there's another dude. There's another dude who takes credit for it. Who? Okay. Like, yeah. He, he ha little, like legally and owns the rights. he gets the, the Living Dead name. Yeah. He yeah. has Living Dead as the name. And he that's has the why trademark Living Romero Dead. Romero yeah. could only go with The Dead from that point on. Yes. But and, people still refer to the series as the Living Dead series. I mean, people. There's people who refer to the, the whole series as the Walking Dead series, and are like, huh, "Walkers, they're called Walkers because they're fucking retarded and think that the, the Walking Dead created all this shit." It's connected, uh, uh, oh, or that it's like, awesome. yeah, it's canonically connected or some shit like right. that. I and mean, it's not at all. No, no. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I've had people be like, "Oh no, the cool twist of the Walking Dead is that uh, everybody's already infected, and it's not just bites like in the classic movie Dawn of the Dead." I'm like, "You're thinking of the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead, which is just." in the original Dawn of the Dead everyone turned back and that wasn't created in anything and, and we'll get into that with where that plays into Army of the Dead and its creative twists of like what if it was an alien virus or some shit like that and I'm like yep, that was in the it. original Night of the Living Dead and also in Marvel Zombies and a bunch of other ah oh, fuck it uh, but my point is that I went into Zack's remake of Dawn of the Dead uh, with a lot like so much love for, for, the, for the original Dawn so uh all it had to do was not piss or shit on the original and, and and try to do its own thing and do it competently. And I was going to be satisfied because at that point, there was like four movies with zombies in them. And then the return is very different. Return of the Living Dead is a very different type of zombie. And then the Great, though, so Italian good. zombies are their own fucking thing. Zombies were sparse. You only had so much zombie. You didn't have 17 seasons of, of, of one zombie show. And I guess four or five seasons of a different zombie show. And then like three other zombie shows that like, what's the mm -hmm. Asylums one? Z Nation. And then they have like Black Summer or something is like a spinoff for Z Nation. Like Z Nation doesn't get a spinoff. What world is this? I had no idea Z Nation had a spinoff. That's amazing. Yeah, it's Netflix exclusive. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. So Netflix signed a deal with the Asylum, uh, which is, you know, that's a sign of the time. Makes man. sense. It makes sense. But but uh, Zach's movie did, like, it, it gave us a unique 
uh, experience on that, it, like just for that opening sequence. That opening sequence is, is it's like the perfect perfect uh, short film by a, a very good short film filmmaker making a, a zombie outbreak movie. And then the rest of the movie is kind of milk toast and okay. But I was so in love with that opening sequence that I gave the movie. Huh, three and a half stars. It gave a sack, which had a lot of potential, but um, I think a lot of people see that movie as really great or special, didn't, hadn't already seen the original Dawn of the Dead. You saw Zack's first, right? Yes. Yeah, see, if you'd seen Zack's first, I don't know if you, you would have had the same reaction because you didn't have all these associations with what Dawn of the Dead is and could be. Like, they're entirely different movies. Romero's Dawn of the Dead is like a step-by-step -step instructional movie on how to take over a mall during a zombie apocalypse. They go through all the steps. Step one, mm -hmm. clear out all the internal, we'll lock the doors and then clear out all the internal zombies. Once all these zombies that are already in the mall are out, then you got to make sure no new ones get in. So we got to barricade the front doors with the big 18 wheeler trucks. Then you got to take stop, stock of what you got, cook dinner, have 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 fun at the ice skating. You get to, get to chill and relax. And then, oh no, biker gang spotted the helicopter on the top. It's like, yep. it, it's 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 such step-by-step. Step. And, and then Dawn of the Dead, uh, Snyder's is just kind of like an action movie with the base idea of what Dawn, the original Dawn of the Dead gave us. There's no biker gangs. Zombies just get in, right? Like, it's, there's no... Uh, the original biker gang, I think, is in the movie as different characters, though. Like, they, they sneak them into the film as No, characters. I'm saying, like, the, the idea... But they're not, they're not yeah. the biker gang character. Yeah, no, I'm saying, like, the, the idea that that third act is, is the biker gang attacks them. Right. It, it's yes. just more zombies get in because they try to save the gun store owner across the street or something like that. Yeah, um, what I love about that right there is the gun store owner across the street, Andy. I love Andy. I love the character of Andy. I love that Zach went back with James Gunn and rewrote a short called like Andy's Lost Tapes or something like that, or The Lost Tapes, Andy's Last Terrifying Days. Um, I liked that. That was that was directed by Zack Snyder, written by James Gunn, uh, along with Dawn of the Dead was also written by James Gunn and directed by Zack Snyder, um, the, the new yeah. one. And I love that that combination of the two. I think Zack did a great job with visuals. And what's interesting is when you watch that movie, it's not that vastly different from like uh, The Hills Have Eyes or The Crazies or anything that was really coming out in the early aughts or the mid aughts. Um, there was a whole rash of films along that line that were just kind of like high contrasty saturated films uh, that were like, you know, uh, indie horror style that were like cheaply made and, and fast to make. And, and when you watched on the dead, it could so easily become any one of those other films, but it, it does elevate a little bit, the, not just the genre, but it, ele it elevates this, this particular genre of shitty early aughts, mid aughts, uh, you know, uh, independent horror films. And it makes it a little bit more, I mean, Zach even like utilizes heavily in all of his productions, um, uh, cut to black. And then you just, you just cut to black mm -hmm. and then you, and then you come back out. Right. Um, he pulls that even in uh, Dawn of the Day. He does it once. And it, it's, it's a artsy, gutsy it Comes back with a Richard it. Cheese song, which is also used yes. in Army of the Dead, which is part yeah. of the, their two spiritual connection. Yeah, and obviously there's none of that kind of that tone is 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 completely absent from Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day. Um, 
Day's the best in my opinion. Yeah. But I love Dawn of the Dead as much as uh, you do. I think it's a five out of five boy film. I think Day of the Dead is a five out of five boy film. I think Night of the Living Dead is a five out of five boy film. I think all three of them are five out of five boy films. However, I have a, a more of an affinity and a love for Day of the Dead because nobody fucking knows about that one, I guess. I and sure it, as fuck it, did. You yeah, do. I have it on you, DVD. I love Day of the Dead. I think Bud is an incredible perspective that like is a nice way to flesh out the genre as well as expanding the genre. And I love the uh, uh, the army guys, the soldiers who are like you know in control and like running this whole fucking thing like no. an internment camp, you know, and like the way that they're like like that absolute power corrupts absolutely that the way it is shown in that scene is I so amazing. Remember. And the violence, the violence in Day of the Dead is the best. Okay, Day of the Dead brings it back to actually realistic looking blood, which is part of why it's more grisly than Day of the Dead, which uses neon. Dawn of the Dead. Fuck, Dawn, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, which has yeah. fluorescent. What did I say? Day of the Dead? Orange. You said Day of the Dead, but yeah, I know what you mean, though. Dawn of the Dead has the orange fluorescent blood yes. coming out of the zombies, which looks horrible. And, and also, look, the makeup was what it was in, in the original Dawn, but they, they didn't do the modern Walking Dead decrepit decaying no. zombies that Little Walking makeup. Dead does really well and, and uh, Army of the Dead has a lot of but Dawn of the Dead Zack Snyder's they were all pretty fresh looking they you know they yeah. had blood on their mouths and everything but like they, they weren't decaying so to me it was always I didn't have that big a problem with the fast zombies for like fresh ones yeah I um I know what you mean yeah uh, Dawn of the Dead uh, the old one 71 uh, the, I love that movie's uh, coloring of makeup, like on the zombies. They have makeups of zombies that are blue, and some zombies are green, and some zombies are gray. And it's just like not much actual damage has been done to the uh, zombies. They're just makeup. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's an incredible aesthetic choice. Obviously, he had to do that for the cheapness of the makeup effects at the time. Uh, Tom Savini did a great job with it because they needed to spend more money on the makeup with the actual violence at the end. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah, the Tom Savini makeup in Day of the Dead is where you see his final form of, like, he, what he right. can really do. And Day of the Dead, though, I felt like the only thing at Day of the Dead, the zombies, that always throws me off when I watch Day of the Dead is the one zombie, if I'm not mistaken, it's the one zombie who's a football player in his football outfit. And it's like, ah, I, I, it feels ch cheesy. Like, I get maybe that there was somebody still in their football uniform with their helmet on and everything when they got bit and turned yeah. or whatever or died and, and then turned. But it's just like it's something too cheesy about the football helmet guy wearing the, all the football pads and the jersey and all that shit. That's the only thing that really draws me out of Day of the Dead. Yeah, the that's score. something I always thought was missing from Walking Dead was that they, they never have wacky zombies yeah, who were like, zombie. I was dressed as a clown, and now I'm a clown zombie. It's like, he died when he was at a, at a kid's birthday party. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, but that's, what's fun about that is, like, when you have zombies that are dressed like a football player or, you know, a clown, let's say, or whatever the fuck, or uh, sometimes they do uh, beauty pageants, right? Or they'll have, like, you know, swimmers or something like that. It's great because it's like you create your own story for that zombie. Like you are creating a story for that zombie. Yeah. The, the thing about the football player just it feels a little too hokey to me. They diverge. Um, they diverged. Obviously, we have the comedy zombie franchise. Like Zombie Land's a comedy franchise. I haven't seen the sure. second one. Uh, we're, Same. We're I've like, not seen Double Tap. What? I haven't seen Double Tap either. Yeah, there. It's nothing but like football zombies and pole vaulter zombies and clown zombies right. and every, every zombie is a comedy zombie whereas with walking dead everyone's just dressed like a dude because it's like you, you just want to make you just want to make them into horror monsters and uh obviously right. with army of the dead 
kind of underutilized the Vegas costumes, but they did try to incorporate it to some degree. But in the open, they did. Yeah. But I mean, like the Dawn remake having comedy elements to it, this is the Snyder Gun uh, remake. Uh, James Gunn gets a lot of credit for it. I don't really remember his script being super memorable. Like, or, like I can't remember any cool lines or crazy writing in there. No, it's just that it's a tight script. And what I like about Dawn of the Dead 2004 is that when we explore the, muse- the museum, sorry, when we explore the mall, it's much more fun and fancy free. Than it was in the uh, 70s version of Dawn of the Dead. 78. I like that, 78. I feel like that one is a little bit more tense and claustrophobic when they are in the mall, exploring the mall and clearing it out and living in the closet. Because I mean, well, that yeah, one, malls were different closet. in the 70s too. Like they, they were very true. They were dirtier and, and and more multi-purpose. And people are. I, I always see people like, yeah, but that's so unrealistic. There's a gun store in the mall. That's one thing they had to change for the new one. Is that obviously no one would be like a gun store in a mall. What the fuck is this? The gun store has to be like across the street. Right. But yeah, no, dude. And the fu- I remember in like 88, 80, 89, the Galleria just had a fucking gun store right there. This <laughs> is like in, in Houston, maybe not wow. in California, but uh, yeah. So it's just like. Shit, like, and there's like a bank in the mall too, and it's it's right. like there's like stuff in malls that wouldn't be in malls today because seventy mall seventy seventies malls were just the aesthetic. It was so different. It was it was so yep. pastel, and nowadays, yeah. oh yeah, you know, malls flat are walls. Malls right? are all like, white and all like, in every every single store is a chain. So like, yeah. it felt weird that the Dawn remake had to use fake chains it's like okay that's supposed to be the gap and that's supposed to be a starbucks but none of these right, places hollow are... grounds hollow grounds i loved it is that starbucks that's starbucks hollow grounds yeah yeah so it's like it, it feels off whereas in the 70s one all the stores are just like ted sportswear because we didn't have fucking one chain of sportswear like in, in one cha- chain of, of khakis and, and stuff right. like that there was no victoria secrets in the 70s it's a catalog yeah. Um, but I think it's it, it definitely feels more claustrophobic in the uh, 70s version because it's like it's like they're in a closet when they're like when they're like their home in the mall is like a closet yeah, space. Yeah. And like in and then the Dawn of the Dead 2004 it's like the, the they have their own they live in the mall. Like mall. Yeah. yeah, like they have a whole mall. They have their own like stores they can live in. Yeah. So um but I, yeah, it, I mean it's it's not in a like a, an, an amazing movie it's just a good zombie film and the thing for me with zombie films is the genre in general the zombie general the sorry the zombie genre is hardly an elevated genre of, of, of filmmaking it's not a place to go for high art it's not a place you go for for incredible acting and drama um no no or, or comedy or good filmmaking usually i mean or good filmmaking really yeah like diary of the dead oh my god yeah no um, i mean George, i love dawn of the dead so much george A. romero is not a good film director he's just not no he's but, not but he make he, but here's the thing he's a good conceptualist he is and so is zack snyder in a lot of ways but but dawn of the dead does ele- elevates its own itself the, the film the 1978 film because it is it is speaking to a larger uh, question of morality and and also in capitalism, right? Humanity, while the yeah. other, while Night of the Living Dead was also doing that, also having incredible like you know race relations discussions in nineteen like was it nineteen sixty two, sixty three, sixty nine I think I'm not sure, sixty eight. When is it? Night Night of the Living Dead. 
I went 67, somewhere around there, Night of the... I said a whole bunch of years, so I'm probably right. Yeah, you got 68. (laughs) 68, okay. So that's a pretty big deal in 68 to have that conversation, and so that elevates that, and and Day of the Dead is not elevated much in the eyes of of the public, I think, and, and... audiences because not many people probably even seen it but it is they has the least to say of the of the romero trilogy. it's a militaristic like complex right it's the idea of like going too far with with military powers um and what that can do but dawn of the dead 2004 it doesn't elevate the genre in any way it's it's just it's just a really tight script and no. it's fun and and it doesn't need to be an incredible movie it has baby zombies in it it has uh, Michael Kelly, you know, essentially the, the the most perfect racist asshole ever, you know, and like it, like it actually transforms him as a character. I think they dropped the f word in there at one point. Hmm. Like the curse of one, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. James Gunn wrote it in there. He has no problems with uh, with words like that, I guess. No. Anyways, I liked On the Dead. I think it's a really good movie, and I like the I especially like the ending. Where Ty Burrell's character uh, has uh, the uh, camera on his boat, and they pick up the camera, and there's we see some shots of him with uh, with a you know a girl, and then it starts cutting into shots of them surviving on the boat, and then we follow them all the way to the island, and then we get to the island, and the zombies kill our potentially kill the entire cast of, yeah, of like, Dawn of the Dead. I don't like the ending. And then I love it because then it goes, Ooh, come on, you want to get down with the sickness? Come on, you get down with the sickness? Yeah, yeah. That's the whole ending. I love that credit sequence then. And it's got all the blood and all the letters turn into blood. And then it cuts to like zombies real quick. Nonsense, chaotic shots. Yeah. Shaky cam. And then back to the, Ooh, <laughs> like, I fucking love that. Yeah, that's movie okay. So that is, look, if you non-ironically use, uh, is it Disturbed, Down with the Sickness? I think, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, if you non-ironically use disturb it's it, it, it's it's don't do that it's that's it's not a good song in that sense he i clearly was i using it ironically because there's also the fucking richard cheese cover of that during kind of the montage of, of everybody like just chilling in the mall for a month after they mm-hmm. kill uh uh max hedrum uh i've got that yeah, isn't that max hedrum that is i think right that actor? Uh, yes, I think it is, and um, I love that he brings back that actor. I forget his name in uh, into Watchmen. Like th- you see, you see some of these these uh, actors are going to be utilized in Zach's career and, uh, later on. Along Michael Kelly is in uh, Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah. That was he. He does a, like obviously we didn't know who Michael Kelly was. It was well before the uh, House Cars and everything. And he does a he, he elevates that character. And the Definitely. screenplay does, because like it, it gives you like a character you think, oh, this is gonna be the asshole who's a problem the entire movie, and then all of a sudden he's just not, and he's like totally rational and and and, and a good character. It's after he's arrested, right? Once they put him in like their jail, the mall jail, he then gets out to has to help him go into the garage, and he's like, I'm only going to the garage with a gun. And the guy's like, no, nah, I'm not giving you a gun. He goes, Trust goes both ways, I'm not going in there without a gun. And that and that from that point on though, he's actually part of the group. Yeah, well, look, sometimes you, it's not that impressive, but looking at how lazy most movies are, I mean, especially your your various Disney franchises and bullshit, like how, like, this character's heroic and he'll be heroic and this character's prejudiced and he'll be a prejudiced bad person who betrays the team and is an asshole the entire time. Sometimes all you got to do is fucking subvert your expectations a little bit and it comes across as brilliant with a character and that then that character in Dawn of the Dead is 
It's a great example of that. I mean, like, you're, you're Jesse's. You're, Je- you're, you're fucking uh, Jesse Pinkman's. You know, it's like, oh, this this character's the dipshit who's going to screw up. And then it's like, you're two seasons in, and it's like, this character is the, one of the deepest characters ever written. I mean, he's not. He's a great character, but it's like, it, it was just, you you take a, you, you, you go a little bit down the road that's different than you were expecting. And it's like, that's all you have to do. And that'll bring us into Army of the Dead to a certain degree, because uh, or, or yeah. we'll, we'll revisit that with Army of the Dead, because like all, none of these characters subverted my expectations in any way, and they were all exactly who they were introduced as at the beginning of the movie. And I'm like, all right, even though it doesn't seem like James Gunn added that much to Dawn of the Dead, seeing Zack yeah. do uh, a very similar zombie movie without a James Gunn influence, and mm. it's like, oh, you you really needed that little a little spicy brought to the, to the screenplay because all the characters from almost every zombie movie at, at that point had been very basic characters I mean all the Romero trilogy characters are so fucking uh, basic and it's, I mean the fucking the, the leader of in, in Day of the Dead is uh, such a terrible over the top character he's like I'm gonna cause problems from day one and, and it's like he causes love problems him, the, the, the entire movie. Yeah, I can't remember yeah, his he, name. But he dies the best of. He he's probably my favorite zombie death of all time. He he's shouting Stell Carter or Tell Carter. I don't know what he's shouting I, I, I after all these years. But he's he's just yelling a name or something, and I'm like, it's so weird. Uh, yeah, but uh, you, you don't have to do much. You gotta do something, and uh, an army didn't. Uh, how many boys do you give uh, the original Dawn of the Dead, which you saw with me, I think, for the first time? Five out of five. Okay, five out of five. Absolutely first, five out of five. Six out of five, whatever. Yeah, the trilogy, the original trilogy of dead films, Night of Living, Dawn of the Dead, and then Day of the Dead, yeah, all of them are five out of five boys for me. They're all great in so many different ways and so many different layers to them. And even though Dawn and Night of Living Dead, as you said, their characters are kind of very uh, typical, I do love that, that we both have in both films – um, stereotypical black man leader character, and I love that about both of them. Just like it's just like it's it's refreshing, but it's it's like refreshing in in seventy eight and sixty eight. Yeah. So that's crazy, you know what I mean? Like even then, like to have that then, and I just you know growing up with something like that, I can't imagine what that would have been like for someone like you know you or anyone else to be able to have that because the conversation is there too. It's not like you're just having you know a leader or a, a, a black man lead, you know, and then like, you're not having the conversation too at that time. You're having that conversation about racism too at that time. It's like Falcon and the Winter Soldier all over again. It is. And it also, cause Knight in particular also does the whole thing where like, you know, like see black men can be the heroic leader. Cause you watch that movie. You're that, you're, that's your, your character. You're, you're, you're so, yeah, so if you're a white person one. watching it or, or a 12 year old white kid like me, I was like, all right, I'm a black guy in this movie. And if you're bitches, a white girl, you're if, a black guy in that movie. And bitches be crazy because chicks <laughs> cannot deal with zombie shit, which is what Dawn kind of does an apology for where like you, you set up that character is be like, oh yeah, yeah you know, you're, you're the woman. You don't do anything. It's like, fuck that. Give me a gun. Teach me how to play, fly uh, the helicopter because I'm going to be involved. And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so he uh, he rioted himself for feminism in the second one as a response to that first one. But I look. like Sarah Pauly in Dawn of the Dead too. I think she does a great job of leading that film. Yeah, as well. Sarah Pauly's been around for a long time, and she's you know never... she's a director too. I feel like as an independent, she's director, not a good director. She... I've seen two of her movies. 
No, but she might not be the best director. But as a director, she knows what Zach needs, and so for as an independent film, uh, Dawn of the Dead, it, it like it helps to have someone in that position on camera that understands what you as a director are trying to capture. I mean, Spielberg did that twice. Close Encounters of the Third Kind and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He cast like French directors or whatever the fuck in those movies no. because he wanted. Like, he needed to make sure that the vision that he's trying to get across will get across, and another director can understand what you're trying to do. Well, and, Sometimes it's harder for actors to do that. You mean Jurassic Park and, and uh, Close Encounters. Sorry, yes. Yeah, what did I say? Uh, Raiders, which I was like, I don't think there's directors in that. Belloc. No, yeah, Belloc. I'm getting that confused. I was, yeah, no, it's not Belloc. Yeah. Well, Richard Attenborough is the director. Encounters. Yeah, he is for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. He won Oscars for, what was it, Gandhi? Gandhi, no. Yeah. Um, right. Anyways, but okay. Moving into Army of the Dead. Yeah. Um. I I thought this movie was fun. I thought it was not good. No. Um. But this is again like the zombie genre is not a place I'm going for high elevated art, and so I just wanted something fun and to distract me and to be kind of zombie like, and it did that. But it has a lot of weird like, I don't want to call them plot holes because I don't think they're plot holes. But it has a lot of loose ends. No, it has potholes. It has major potholes. No, I, I'm sure it does, and we can get into those. But like, it's for me. I think there's a lot of loose ends that aren't plot holes, and but they're still like they're too loose, and um, I, I, because of that, it doesn't really feel like Man of Steel. Like you understand when you watch BVS and Justice League, you understand like where how Man of Steel was setting those films up. But when you watch Man of Steel, especially in 2013, when it came out, you watch it and you go. This is a good single film. And then you watch BVS and you're like, this is a good, for me, this is a good movie that can be better if I saw the full thing. And then I saw the full thing. I'm like, this is a much better film, but still it's very much tied to Man of Steel and it's very much, it's very much tied into Justice League. And then you start to get to those It doesn't feel like a like, sequel okay. to Man of Steel. That's its problem. Right. But you also get this area where you feel episodic now all of a sudden, right? Like, okay, this will <clears throat> something will be explained later. Like the whole nightmare sequence in BVS, like you're watching that going, all right, that's going to get explained somewhere down the line in some other film. I, I get it. And it never did. Not really. But like, so the episodic nature when you get into films like that, like what Marvel does, like it really does have to pay off or it just becomes like these weird, horrible loose ends that go nowhere. And there are moments like that in Army of the Dead. I don't know if I said my boy yet, but uh, I, I'll give it three out of five boys because I did enjoy what Zach was doing. I enjoy some of the questions that he's asking. Um, I think it's fun to see him revisit the genre now, having essentially been outed from Hollywood. Um, uh, excommunicated. Um, but uh, yeah, I, um, I'll give it like three out of five boys, but it's not a good movie. And I don't know if I'd recommend it to anyone unless they're just like willing to go on that adventure and enjoy the idea of going on a zombie adventure. Like it's like Walking Dead. Like it's just sometimes it's fun because it's just zombies, but it doesn't mean that every season of Walking Dead's actually an incredible. Walking season. Dead is not <clears throat> largely a fun show. It's it it it's a wallowing in sadness show. And, and I find that I find that super fun. Like for me, Walking Dead season two is really shitty. But I still enjoyed watching it because I'm watching people survive in zombie apocalypse. You know what I mean? So like, it's it's the it's a farm season. It's the it's the farm season. Yeah, it's it's the it's the uh, amusement park ride of it all that I enjoy, regardless. <laughs> Even if the roller coaster sucks, I still enjoyed the roller coaster. Um, and so Army of the Dead is essentially that. It's a roller coaster, so I enjoy the roller coaster. 
That's not a really good roller coaster, though. So I'll give it three out of five, boys. I'm sure you probably would give it like a one. I'll give it two and a half. Um, it's barely a movie, I, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, for me, I was I was unable to get into the movie or watch the movie really. I I, I was just like deconstructing it because like I was like, what the fuck is going on here with the depth of? Well, I mean, I noticed the dead the the dead pixels in the roadhead opening. That's how early that was. So. I see a dead pixel. I see a white pixel on my screen. I'm immediately like, all right, stop, movie stopped. We now have to establish whether or not my, my TV has developed a dead pixel. It, it was, a, it was right. a big problem for me. And then, of course, like all the, all the possibilities like go through my head. Like, what, what okay, is it, is it uh, on my TV? Uh, you, then you're waiting for the cut. Like, if, if the pixel goes away on a cut, then you know it's not your... Uh, your TV still gassy, but in yeah. between that, because you know, brains think quick. Uh, it, it occurs to me, uh, you you see the dead pixel. You you're like, all right, is it is it the camera? Or is it the, the encoder? Or is it my TV? Then you go, okay, I'm watching porn. It's a dead pixel on the okay, and then next, and then you, you go to another porno, and it's like, okay, it's it's clearly the that camera or a reality show or some shit like that. But my brain goes, no, this is fucking Zack Snyder. This is Netflix. It's obviously not a dead pixel. It's your TV and then cut and the dead pixel's gone when we're on a different camera. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit, that was a dead pixel. So I'm like, that's not possible. So I pull up Twitter and I type in Army of the Dead on trending. And I immediately see Army of the Dead pixel is, is trending. So I spend the next hour of the movie just scrolling through Army of the Dead Pixel and, and seeing all the various Twitter people who were watching it, you know, because I watched it like the day it came out Friday. Reddit, uh, Reddit as well. Yeah, Reddit had, Reddit had all a, a thing on it too already. All, a lot of people, same problem as you. So obviously you're not alone. There are a lot of people on Reddit that had the exact same issue. They said, I thought my TV was dying. Yeah. I thought I had a dead pixel on my television. I stopped the film, checked. Like people, people were concerned with their televisions. That is not how you should be watching a movie or presenting a film to the point where people are going, stop the movie. Yeah. What the fuck is going on with my TV right now? That ruins pace. It ruins the movie. Now, I texted it's why, that it's why, the... wait, wait, wait. It's why Revenge of the Sith is a movie I can't stand because when I saw it originally in theaters, the house lights went to 100%. We've talked about this in the past. And normally house lights are like around probably 50%, 75% at most when they're brightest. Everything went to fucking 100 like it was an emergency, and it ruined the entire long take of Revenge of the Sith. And even though I've rewatched it in darker rooms and in better ways since, still, it's forever it's forever damaged. And yeah, but so that's not, that's not this, Lucasfilm or Fox or anyone who made the no, movie's no, no. fault. That's AMC. Is, that's, that's AMC Burbank. Yeah, right? no, this is the fault of the people who made the movie and Netflix. Yes, and that's the horror, That's the worst way you can present a movie to a point where people stop it and are immediately taken out in the beginning. Yeah, and so after that happens, I, I'm just like, all right, it does have a dead pixel. That's weird. And then I just try to watch the movie. And of course, I, we, we get into the first scene where Dave Bautista is taking the, the crew into the our army. I've already noticed at this point, well, Zach seems to be really pushing the, sh the shallow depth of field in this movie. And of course, I noticed in the opening credit sequence that Zach's the cinematographer. I'm like, that's interesting. He's never done that before. Uh, director of photography, yeah. But yeah, he's director of photography. And uh, when we get into the first scene in Vegas is where I was just like, 
you have the the shot of the uh, the French girl and like the the tip of the guns in focus, and it racks to her, and I'm just like, this this is revisiting now a previous episode, actually two previous episodes, uh, one being the Euphoria spoiler cast and whatever episode mm-hmm. where I talked about Euphoria uh, that led to this us doing a Euphoria spoiler cast, where I mentioned yeah. that Euphoria was the first time I'd ever seen depth of field be too shallow distractingly shallow so i i am now like okay what's the connection between this and euphoria <laughs> i mean not that there isn't necessarily any but on a technical level what's going on because i did my research and as near as i can t- tell the the depth of field in euphoria Jeez, so much gas <laughs> is I, I gotta stop eating dinner before we do these yeah <laughs> I gotta stop eating dinner before we do this. Uh, Euphoria, I, I believe, I, I can't find any confirmation of this, but I believe Euphoria did a, a lot of that shit in post. Sometimes I feel like it's just a, a, a linear grade of, of like a blur. So, so that like one side is completely out of focus and the other side isn't. Or they're just using a simple mask and in tracking it around faces and blurring everything out. I was like, there's no cameras that have this shallow of depth of field. So I watched the next 20 or 30 minutes of, of Army of the Dead only focusing on uh, the whether or not there's dead pixels in this camera, trying to figure out which camera had the dead pixels, and also looking at the shallow depth of field being like, how the, are they are they doing this for every shot? Are they actually, you know, because a lot of CG, obviously, are they just rotoing and taking everything out of focus except for the one bits? It's even more extreme than, um, Euphoria doesn't. So eventually I'm like, no, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get to the bottom of this. So I have to stop the movie and I, I'm, I'm or, or maybe the movie's still playing and I'm just barely paying attention to it. And I'm looking, right. I'm actually looking up like camera stuff. And there's like, there, all of a sudden there's like several articles about, oh yeah, the cameras for fucking Dawn of the, or Army of the Dead are completely unique. And Zach was trying a new experimental thing. And I'm like, okay. So I, I, and I get a lot of this confirmed because I watched the 28 minutes making of Army of the Dead, which I found way nice. more interesting than. Did you watch that? No. I found that way more interesting than the actual movie. Uh, but like how this movie was such a fucking probable waste, basically, because they're like, well, you can't shoot in Vegas because Vegas casinos are open 24 hours a day. So there's never a downtime to do them. So when you do Vegas, you can do some exteriors, but for the most part, you can't really shoot inside casinos. So we scanned all, the entire Vegas strip to create an entire digital copy for it. And then a month later, it was entirely shut down <laughs> unprecedentedly. It's like, well, that was a total waste. You could have just filmed this during COVID. They wouldn't wow. have been allowed to film it during COVID, but of course, uh, it, no. was, it was just kind of like. But the, the, the eventually, well, they filmed they filmed Tignatero's character. Yeah, we're gonna get to that too. That's another technical thing where where I didn't yeah. realize that. And as soon as I, I I saw that, I'm like, okay, well, every shot she's in is now a massive distraction uh, for where, where I'm trying to you know ascertain the lines of where she was inserted. A lot of them are just ISO shots where it's like very very clear that like. Uh, yep. Dave Batista's talking to the Chris. D- wait, wait, D- wait let's Delia. get to that. Let's, let's get that in a little bit. Finish your thought, though. Okay, so in the making of, they mm-hmm. do. You know about the lenses or the camera for this movie? I know that Zach's excited about them. Zach was very excited. He spent the last several years, decade maybe, buying every really good quality Canon Dream lens. Canon Dream lens was the uh, lens uh, made by Canon, but like the lenses were made by a Japanese company. 
with that that opened up to f.95 which is way wider than normal lenses which stop at like Point one two point I guess is normal. Uh, you know, Fincher shoots everything wide open too. He he or almost like so you get the the wider the lens, the the shallower depth of field, more stuff isn't out of focus in the background. The the more blur. These lenses opened up wider than almost anything any other normal lenses would. They were and, and Snyder's been buying them up on eBay. Looks like they're about three to four grand a pop, depending on what their condition is and he just bought as many as he could because there's huh. only only so many of them out, out in circulation uh you pretty much can't find anymore on ebay from because i've looked and because he bought them all zach bought them all and yeah. uh he had them rehoused by a private company that, that just does like lens repairs and stuff and and shows them in he shows each one of them like that, that he had rehoused for, for the, the movie and uh, they all say Zack Snyder's lens on them, <laughs> so he had that mm. printed, uh, and had them fitted with you know Canon L mounts so that they could fit on modern Reds. Now the other big thing about this movie for Zack is that it's his first time entirely using digital cameras, and he used Reds, and he partnered up with. Well, Red no, no, no. It. Oh yeah, entirely. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's he used, did use, and the Justice League at the end. He uses uh, the exact the same cameras, service. and the he used the Dream lenses for that too. Uh, yeah, you could tell because there's also the um, the the depth of field yeah. in that sequence alone, with especially with Joker and Joker's card. Yes, all of that is yeah, very much. He, used, played he with. uses Army of the Dead cameras to, to to film that shit. So uh, no reason they needed to be four three, but whatever. Uh, you know that was just, that's just his thing. But so mm -hmm. so Red uh, made him specific versions, specialized versions of the Red Monstro. At least two of them because he shows them both. Simultaneously, you may, they may be red monstros, which which are the the biggest sensor, the 8K sensor reds. The most, I mean, the the bone stock ones are like a hundred grand. So uh, I'm sure his specialized versions, which were uh, had uniquely tweaked sensors to accommodate these massive wide open lenses. And he Jesus talks about Christ. how one of the things he really loves about the lenses is that you know he's like. Uh, I, I'm. I think more more of this movie is in focus than I originally thought it was going to be. I thought like it was just going to be the tiniest slivers. It's like once I saw these images, I just like I knew I had to try and film an entire movie this way. And he talks about how he's like he, during most of the making of, he's actually holding the camera handheld. He's like mm -hmm. usually I don't even know where the cameras are, but here I'm the camera's right here to my side. You know, it's it's so unique, which is fine. That would have been cool for if he that has been his gimmick. But using these lenses that made everything out of focus and claustrophobic and looked terrible and kind of cheap uh that was a huge mistake but he talked about how he loves to have the lenses have all these like distortions and, and it, they kind of look dirty and have flaws and they let in way more light than should be normally allowed which is why i had to get these red sensors uh modified and it's like that's the only mention that to, like a lot of people are like i don't get why there's dead pixels to me that line, that, I can't see him actually, I haven't found Zach actually talking about the, specifically the dead pixels in the movie, but the fact that he says, like, I love the flaws that these lenses present and how the, you know, they, they barely work with modern sensors. I, I'm guessing it's just because they're so wide and they let in so much fucking light that they were, throughout the course of the movie as they filmed, were constantly killing pixels because it's not just one dead pixel on one camera. It jumps, there's like, there's yeah. one lower left, there's one upper, there's, there's a couple shots where there's like so many dead 
pixels. Yeah, there's like there's clusters on like a zombie's face at one point. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times those aren't permanent. Those are just pixels that are that are still like sun damaged and take a while for like you know, or maybe they just have to be. They were constantly being repaired by Red throughout the filming of this movie. But you you know, dead pixels occur because uh, way too much light hits one sensor just in the right way where it burns it out. And if he was using lenses that, uh, okay, that was another thing he said, even though these cameras, they open up to F.95, he said, no stopping on this movie. Like he's not gonna put any stops on, meaning being gradually closing the iris. No, he, he says these, these, every single shot has to have the lenses be completely wide open. So even in like broad, and they filmed outside because they built yeah. sets and stuff. So it's like- so He's just putting ND filters he's on just putting, like crazy. He, he says like, if I have to stack five ND filters on the front or five filters on the front of this thing, like he's like I told my crew we're not stopping so if that means you have to stack five filters in order to to make this work Shoot. that's what we do <laughs> and, wow. and they're like oh yeah of course we'll, we'll no stopping that's a great idea it's like it's a terrible idea Zach <laughs> somebody who barely knows how about anything about making movies I mean I know some but <laughs> enough to know that the at this point Zach's just probably like kind of gone insane so he maybe he's just like giving himself challenges that don't have any benefit I mean the benefit is you ha you maintain a really shallow depth of field the entire movie but it's it's already so over the top and too much that it distracted me and all I could see were dead pixels and depth of field and trying to figure out whether or not uh, Tig Notaro uh, was actually there that day and she wasn't it turned out none of the scenes so she was completely reinserted nope. yeah she was inserted during the pandemic the, the dead pixel thing to me like there are there are very few shots where there where there's a cluster of dead pixels and there are a few dead pixels that are very prominent throughout the film. Um, what, uh, one more particularly being kind of like in the center bottom left. Yeah. Um, that one in particular was the most common one. That was the most common one because it was like heavily used in like a lot of the vault sequence. Uh, you could you really saw it. Um, but the thing about those pixels, especially the three that were the most obvious, you. <laughs> You create an easy filter where you just throw like over that one pixel, you just throw a tiny little black, and oh, it would yeah, have been no, so I mean, less distracting to have a tiny black pixel dead pixel than a white dead pixel. I mean, maybe I've worked as an online editor for shows that have have sad cameras that just have dead pixels. We use them anyways. Right. You, you, you just it. you just have that 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 effect save of of, yeah. of that clone one pixel down below it. Uh, and no, you just I haven't find seen... all that shot right. You find that camera yeah. and you select all that camera shots in that timeline or that sequence. And then you just drop that filter on it, and then you find the other camera where it happened on the other side of the screen, and you drop that new filter. On. It's just an easy. So I, I don't know why they yeah, didn't do no, that. Yeah, well, no. Like I said, so I can't find Zach directly talking about the dead pixels, but you can find him talking about the sensors and the lenses in interview after interview. And and uh, he on, on more than once he says like, I love the flaws, and I love like the flaws that it causes, and I I'm leaving all that in. So as far as I can ascertain. He didn't out and out say this, but I think that he intentionally left in the dead pixels the same way he left in shots that were way too shallow of depth of field and too much was blurry and you needed to reshoot that and put some stops on the fucking camera hmm. uh, or just use a different lens in general uh, in order to have the, scene, the shot work. Because if all I can see is like the, the tiniest tip of a gun and I can barely fucking, t I can't tell what character is holding the gun. It's like, that, that's a bad shot and shouldn't be in the movie because it's a useless shot. It's like, mm -hmm. you needed to reshoot that. He left that in because he loved the beauty of the flaws and guess, I, I guess, I'm guessing that, that, that beauty of the flaws includes dead pixels because yeah, I mean, even if, 
even if he was like, no, we're leaving and everything, including the dead pixels, because that's part of the beauty and the flaws. Wabi sabi, you say. Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Netflix should have stepped in and be like, look, Zach no. said, don't fuck. Zach said, leave it in, but we're gonna we're gonna fix that, right? Like Netflix should have an algorithm that fixes that shit. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. you don't even discuss it. You don't talk to it. I'm assuming Netflix is just a series of algorithms. There's no people who work there. <laughs> yeah, really, it's all AI. You just call um, you just call fucking Netflix and it's just like a fucking modem sound. I talk to I I I always call Netflix. I know I've never called Netflix in my entire fucking life. If you call them, you get you go straight to Instant Watch, and or streaming, whatever people call it, and um and you always have to tell them when you get on it for me. I always have to go. Can you can you connect me to the DVD people? You would like, call customer. Oh. We would just be driving to like an IKEA, totally unrelated, out of the blue. You're like, oh, I have to make a phone call, and you pull out your phone. This is when we <laughs> we were we were in the same city, and you, yeah. you would just pull out your phone and be like, ring, ring, ring. And it's like, who the fuck are you calling? He's like, hold hold on, it's customer service. Walmart customer service, and you're like, yeah. Uh, last time I was at Walmart, I tried to buy the special edition Blu-ray of. Transformers of the Fallen that have yeah. the uh, IMAX sequences in 16.9 but not but but uh, not not the entire movie the one I got is, the entire movie was in 235 like I'm a Walmart customer service agent I yeah. have no idea what fuck what's a Transformer no <laughs> like you mean the toys yeah. like yeah, really, yeah. Just, but you would just be like can I speak to your supervisor can I speak to your supervisor can I speak mm-hmm. to the supervisor of movies can I speak to the supervisor of Transformers and you eventually get a hold of that person You'd so like yeah Netflix fucking was supposed to come in on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Tuesday at 9.15 a.m. You're calling them being like, yeah, uh, where, where's my Blu-ray of sneakers? I wanted to oh, walk, yeah. revisit that Robert Redford classic and I haven't been able to. And they're like, um, sir, the ma- mail's probably arriving just an hour later. So yeah, I'm gonna, you need to send me a free movie. Like, oh, we've credited you for free year of Netflix <laughs> calling yeah. in. You always get something ridiculously, like you get, you, you, you always get something out of your fucking Call customer you want to know service. The, you want to hear the most recent one? Sure. It actually, it's actually, it, it conveniently ties into what we're talking about tonight. Um, so uh, prior to uh, Army of the Dead uh, coming out, and just after uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was uh, released on HBO Max, um, I was kind of like rewatching some Zack Snyder films. Not all of them, just a couple of them. Sucker Punch is one that I have coming soon. By the way, Sucker Punch has a Snyder cut. There's yeah. a Snyder cut of Sucker Punch. Which is confusing because there's a theatrical cut and a director's cut of that movie, so. No, he says that you've ne- no one's ever seen this Snyder cut and that the, the Sucker Punch actually was taken away from him and he has a version of it that he wishes uh, to be seen still and he wanted to put that out there. But anyways, back to what I was saying. So I, um, I was watching a bunch of uh, Snyder films and I have Watchmen uh, on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I have the director's cut and the ultimate uh, cut. And the director's uh, uh, version of Watchmen comes with a digital copy and the digital copy is the original Watchmen film. Uh, the Watchmen film, uh, the original one that was released in theaters, which is very hard to find, is in standard def, though, as a digital copy. Hmm. Yeah, it's back back when 2009 when they did that shit or whatever, right? Uh, when they were still doing standard def digital copies. So anyways, so I was like, ah, you know, I'd really like to be able to, you know, see the original Watchmen theatrical cut, what Zack released in theaters. Because I, I know the director's cut much better and the ultimate cut much better than I know the theatrical cut. So I was like, I want to kind of see what actually what, what was removed. After having watched Zack Snyder's Justice League and having seen that movie been you know butchered by Joss Whedon and seeing BVS get butchered by Warner Brothers, um, and so Netflix sent me the Blu-ray for Watchmen, uh, the original theatrical cut. It comes to my house, and it is the director's cut, and it is not the original 
um, uh, Watchmen. And so I call them and I and I complain that they did not send me the right film, that they sent me a film that is technically unrated, which means that it could have more violence, more boobies, more swearing, yeah. and that would be inappropriate. I can't I show the kids this version of Watchmen. I did. I said, I said, I, I, I'm, I didn't say kids. I said, I'm not comfortable watching an NC-17 version of a film or what equates to NC-17 version. I wanted to see the R-rated version, and you represent on the site, you have the R-rated version. It even says, and I'm reading back to her own site. I'm saying, it says here, Watchmen... <laughs> Rated R, and it's at this length, and I'm reading off the theatrical. Jesus of wouldn't the cut. like me watching the NC-17. Yeah, and I version. said, I said, but you provided me in the mail the director's cut, which is unrated and is at this length. And I told her the different length, and I'm like, that is not what you're showing me currently on your site. Uh, I'm like, this is this is you know this is you know. You've got to be on so many watch lists. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm literally like, this is mis misrepresenting what you have, uh, you know, and you and that's not okay. You shouldn't do that. On top of that, some parents might be uncomfortable with their child watching a, a film that's rated R, but no theater is comfortable with a child walking into an NC-17 film. Okay. So you providing me an, what equates to an NC-17. Did you film, show your kids Watchmen? <laughs> No, I, they have not seen Watchmen. Okay, and, well, this, is uh, all, anyways, this is all just you fucking with the Netflix. This person. is me just upset, essentially upset because I got the wrong Blu-ray. I wanted to see the theatrical version. So, anyways, the lady, very nice. She's like, she's like, sir, there's nothing I can do about like the way the website's set up, or, yeah. and it's telling you the, that you're going to get the wrong DVD or the wrong movie. And I, we're, and I'm sorry that you got the wrong movie. She's not sorry, but she's saying that or whatever, right? And and then she's like, would it would it would it make you happy if we just gave you an, an extra disc? And I was like, sure. And so, knowing that was probably likely going to be. You realize that customer service people are just reading for scripts, and the scripts say like, now say, I am very sorry for, and then in parentheses yes. it says the customer's complaint. But you have, so they have to, to do say, the dance. They, there was always that pause. I'm sure when we were talking to you, we're like, sir, sir, I'm I am very sorry for. <sighs> You received the two hundred yeah. the two hundred seventeen minute version of Watchmen, that's yes. rated NC seventeen instead of the hundred and sixty three minute version, which is rated R. <laughs> is it uh, Like, yeah. who, what? What? Who am I talking to? So they gave me they gave me a free disc, right? Uh, so I got I was getting four discs. They don't allow four discs anymore. The most you can get is three, unless you're grandfathered into an uh, uh, into having four or five or whatever it was. Um, so they ended up giving me four, uh, a fourth disc, and they gave it to me for like a month. And I was like, I was happy. <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> Netflix but doesn't I even want to operate that service, and, and you're, you're just fucking with the people who, who have to hey, work there. I want I wanted to see the theatrical cut of Watchmen that they said on their site they had. On Blu-ray, in fact, and they didn't. So It's on HBO Max, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I'll have to look. I um, usually you don't get the theatrical version of Watchmen, and I, it's hard to find it. Um, funny enough. Hey, okay, so Dead Pixels and all that shit. I was wondering if the Dead Pixel, um, the the reason why the Dead Pixel exists is because, not because of the what you're discussing, why it was left in is what I'm referring to. Same, yeah. Um, it was creative. The, it had to be a creative decision. There's no way it's maybe, a technical oversight. But putting Tignataro into the film cost as much as the live action prequel Army of Thieves that mm -hmm. is being uh, filmed and, is, and or being released later this year which is $2 million, $2 million. Um, so they spent like a movie's worth of budget just in simply removing Crystalia and adding uh, Tignataro. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I both knew that going into the movie that Crystalia was removed because he likes to rape younger women allegedly so I I was looking for Tignataro being like inserted into shots and 
most of the shots she's inserted where it's an ISO of her. Uh, it, it's, it's okay. There's some that are, look like she's on a green screen set with a little bit of a feather. She's not a good actress, her. though. That's the biggest problem. No, she's a horrible actress. And, but you also have to, I, Chris D'Elia is not a good actor either. So no, he's not. That it, was, it was probably the same line deliveries, realistically. Um, there are a few shots, though, where Tignataro is actually put in with the group when the group's, like, walking through a hallway. And she has to, like, move in, in unison with the group and, like, line up and position herself next to another person with the gun to, like, you know, coverage or whatever. To, you know, and, like... Those moments, it looks really good. Like, I was pretty impressed with some of those additions where they removed Chris D'Elia and then added her. It does seem like characters like Greta, um, the, the whole reason uh, Kate went into the uh, into Vegas for uh, that woman, the mother Greta, um, Greta in the end dies in the helicopter crash. But we don't know that as an audience member. You have to find that out later by listening to an interview with Zach. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't even know what happens in this movie. Well, when when Greta Good dies, a apparently, lot of focus. yes, a little, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but when Greta dies, apparently, that shot may have been too expensive to replace Crystalia with Tignataro, oh, really? and that's why we didn't get that sequence. Well, that, that character, that whole storyline was cut too, because there was that, that was something that that either Netflix or somebody said, no, you can't do that. Which is that the there was Greta, a subplot. Do you know what I'm talking about? The subplot, the rapey subplot? Oh, yeah. Zach, we, 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 we talked about before how Zach wanted all the Amazons. Well, allegedly Zach. It's not, there's, there's no particular name attached to it. We do know that Connie Nielsen talked to Patty Jenkins about how she did not want the Amazons to be, have their backstory be they were all raped yeah. by the world of man. I'm talking and about the rape. Have, I'm talking about the, you know about the rape story and wait, wait, yeah, I know, but I'm just talking about how we have in the past. There's the Amazons being raped, and we don't know who that person is that wanted that to be the backstory. But Patty Jenkins and Connie Nielsen are both like, that's not going to be the backstory. Yeah, 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 of the Amazons. Yeah. Before, before now, before we got now well, we know. There's another one. But now we know. But now we know maybe who that person was specifically because of the rapey zombies. He also once said that. Uh, in his ver before he got Man of Steel, in his version of Batman, he couldn't do a Batman movie because in his version of a Batman movie, Batman would get raped in prison. So he's got rape on the mind. I don't think he's ever raped anybody. Obviously, he seems to be one of the non-rapists in Hollywood. Well, uh, he always wanted to make a religious film and a pornographic film. Okay, is that quote? Um, but yeah, no. The idea was that the zombies were going to be uh, uh, heart like rounding up childbearing women to. Uh, to rape them and create, you know, alien zombie babies, and that was cut. So as a result, we never really got any scenes with the uh, kidnapped girl. So she was not a character; she was just kind of a plot device. Yeah, uh, a bad one too. Uh, yeah, and uh, the movies solves the structure of aliens uh, almost. Oh my scene god! Scene, so Dude, not really, not really a movie. Wait, 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 let's go back to the rapey stuff first because I do want to get into the aliens part because, man, that was fucking awkward watching this movie and going, dude, did you just lift moments out of aliens? Um, the rapey thing, too, was weird because even Zach recently had an interview where he talks about how the Zeus, right, the main alpha, Zeus, how he would have essentially had a really intense, aggressive sex with... Uh, the Alpha Queen to be able to impregnate her and it was probably not good looking and not something pleasant to watch and like that was like a whole thought process he had where so essentially his thought process was Zeus raped the Alpha Queen and she probably took it like a female lion takes it from a male lion where she probably turned around and bit at him yeah. a few times but just let it happen still 
It's very weird. Well, cats fucked. I mean, no one's going to lions. This is how regular cats fuck. T- true. But, like, it's very... I just I just remember lions because I've just seen so many... Uh, well, well when I first moved fucking... to L.A., I lived in a, a house that was in a bad neighborhood. And we had stray cats, cats everywhere. And they just... It's like, oh, all cat sex is rape. It is. It is. Well, yeah, it is. Most, most Wild Kingdom sex is rape. Yeah. So, in that way... Can't, sure, can't replace it, all of it with Tignataro, can you? No, but in that way, it sure might be more realistic that the zombies aren't, you know, good people. Well, they made, but... they made the, the relationship between the queen and Zeus seem uh, loving in, in the final product. They did. As weird as that is to say. Yeah, it is very weird. Yeah, the rapiness was odd. I thought that was a very, very odd, it's not in the uh, movie. odd choice of his. <laughs> you mean this... No, but he wanted it, and it's odd that he wanted that with... Well, allegedly, it was him that wanted it with the Amazonians. And uh, that he wants Batman to get raped. That's <laughs> very, very weird. He's uh, he's in the rape. I'm not, rape. Rape's not in a lot of his... It's in Watchmen, obviously, but it's not in a, a lot of his other uh, movies. I mean, I guess it's in uh, Sucker Punch to a certain degree, because they're forcing into being... Prostitutes, oh, yeah. sort of. That's right. Or Legends of the Guardians of Kahuli or whatever. The owls, right? rape. The owls yeah. are, oh, they rape each other like crazy. Oh, and uh, Queen uh, Hippolytus gets raped in uh, 300. No, her name's not Queen Hippolyta. That's the chick from, uh, that's Connie Nielsen yeah. in, um, in Wonder Woman. Yeah, but yeah, she does. That's right. She does get raped in 300. He says, this is not going to be over quickly or whatever. I'm not your uh, king. Which you, which yeah. you said to me several times when we were opening this, in the early days of this podcast, I'm not your king. <laughs> yes, this is not going to be over quickly. You will not enjoy this. <laughs> We've listened to so many fucking names on our Lost Vengeance crew here. And like, I remember Dave Batista, <laughs> And I remember what? Garrett Dillahunt, of course, because I know the actor. And yeah, well, Gil Dillahunt, Dillahunt was as Martin essentially was uh, Burke yeah. from Aliens. Yeah, he was Burke. Um, also, the other one that really stood out to me too was um, the the uh, uh, Chambers, who uh, the character Chambers was Vasquez. Yeah, she's also an Amazon, by the way, in Wonder Woman and Justice League. She's the uh, the Amazon that gets crushed by the horse at the very end, and Connie Nielsen's Hippolyta is like, "Oh, I love you." That's the same actress hmm. as Samantha Wynn. She's also one of the Kryptonians. Uh, she's the other female Kryptonian that's not Feora. Wait, so she's um, Asian then, right? Samantha Wynn? Yeah. I think she is. Yeah, maybe. So she's um, play, she's playing a Latina in this movie, presumably. I mean, maybe not. Oh, yeah. maybe she's, she's, she's just Vasquez. More, yeah, more brown face. More brown face, possibly. Who knows? I mean, Vasquez was brown face, right? That's the whole thing we've talked about in the past, how Vasquez is brown face. And, so maybe it's more brown and face. nude. But Chambers no. is literally... And nude. Chambers no, no, is I was looking for a Samantha Wynn, dude. Can't find it ever. Oh, nude. Oh. I thought you said and Newt because she has dirt on her face. <laughs> Not Newt. God, no. Nude <laughs> for Samantha Wynn. Here, um, here she is under the Samantha- horse. <laughs> Chambers is uh, uh, a, a great character, but it's just Vasquez. It's just Vasquez, especially, I mean, she's a little, she's not super badass, right? When she first, like, has that introduction scene where she doesn't know how to kill a zombie. But once she's in there... Her and, and Gooseman, they're they're essentially like Hicks and uh, not Hicks, uh, Vasquez and Drake, and um, I kind of liked that, and I loved her sequence when she had to like go through all the zombies, and then she, like she gets screwed over by Burke or Martin, and then uh, and then she ends up like you know uh, having to shoot her way out. I thought that was fucking really badass, and then she blows herself up, and what's funny is Gooseman later in the movie 
blows himself up too. And so like the combination of the two of them blowing up the way they blew up to like save everybody, but also because they're the hordes are on top of them. It's like fucking. It's exactly like um uh uh when Vasquez dies. Right? With fucking, uh, what's his name? Oh my god. Oh, I'm trying to blank with his name. The major guy. Drake? Oh, oh, uh, uh, Burke. No, not Burke. You always wore an asshole, Gorman. 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 Yeah, sorry. Gorman. Gor yeah. Gorman. Yeah, I was fucking my brain there. So when Guzman dies, and even though he's not next to Chambers when she dies, uh, they don't both die together. It's very similar to Vasquez and Gorman dying, I thought. And then and that's not even it. Like, there's so no, many it's other not very, I mean, it's, it's overt. Like, the, the entire. It's beat for beat. After a certain point, because obviously the movie is like, what if Dawn of the Dead and Ocean's Eleven fucked and made this movie? But but then it's just like it abandons that and just all of a sudden it, it starts taking on the exact structure of aliens and then it sticks with that almost beat for beat to to comedic the third act to yeah. a comedic degree in the, in the third act with the uh, you know Bishop God damn you where the, the helicopter's yeah. not there and it's like. Um, that works when you've got a fucking really cool alien queen, but not when you've got one dude in zombie makeup. I thought Zeus was was formidable. I liked the way he had the helmet. I thought that was cool, and he was able to like get shot in the head. And, and uh, when they were shooting at like Zeus at the head, I kept thinking like, take out his knees, like just shoot him in the fucking knees. Like, but at the same time, I understand he's like a super so like soldier or whatever the fuck because he's made from alien like whatever um by the way did you realize that there were two ufos in the very beginning of the fucking movie yeah they, that's a yeah because it's it, it's referenced that they're coming from area Aliens. 51 but there's literally two ufos like floating above area 51 in the beginning of the film yeah. and then as the convoy those goes out the gate, <laughs> yeah they those ufos fly off too with the convoy it was weird i'm like dude this is this is, like, really overtly UFO-related. Like, I thought that was cool that he ties that back into, like, the kind of the older mythology of zombies. Um, but it was also, like, done, like, the UFOs were done, like, the way we see them today on cameras, like, uh, people are, like, the quote-unquote UFO yes, footage orbs. that people have. Like, orbs, yeah. They're just, like, glowing orbs. They're white in this movie. Um, but that was, like, I was like, wow, that's a, that's random. Like, that's so random. And then to have those two characters, which reminded me so much of Day of the Dead, um, those two characters, like, talking about all the different things they could be, like, you know, carrying. And, of course, you know what's in there. Like, you know it's something to do with zombies. But, like, it was just, it was, uh, it was very, it was a really weird opening. But I liked the prologue. Like, I thought it was fun. What I didn't like about the prologue was the couple... The that was head? like you know, yeah, the, yeah, the the guy getting the blowjob from his like newlywed wife, and I, I I don't know, I get that they needed something, a catalyst to be able to crash into, into the uh, into the convoy. Uh, it couldn't be just a black guy crashing into a train like in Super Eight, but like, I don't know, it felt that felt hokey to me, like that felt like too much to make him like the newlywed. No, it felt it, well, it sets up a weird thing because like that that opening is like oh good it's a comedy because all right another another zombie movie one that you also hadn't seen that I'd seen in, in, in my teenage years was Return of the Living Dead, which is a legal sequel to Night of the Living Dead but not a canonical sequel because it, it takes place in a world in which Night of the Living Dead was a movie that came out 
It doesn't have. Well, it, it was a movie to throw you off the scent of the real event. Yeah, but it also, yeah, there was there was a real real thing. That movie also has you know t- two wacky characters talking about it. It's like well, the zombies and like how could things Which is great, come though. out and then it That's fucking, then it immediately bursts and gets out. And it's yes. like I thought, okay, like so, so this is just Return of the Living Dead, but not as funny. Uh, that's that's the tone they, they they set up, and then of course there's the opening credit sequence, which I loved. I thought the opening credit sequence was great. It was very Zack Snyder, very it was a Richard Cheese cover of Viva Las Vegas, uh, and and it was like okay, this is this is setting up a comedy movie, and then the, the rest of the movie is just like aliens, no comedy. It's 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 just a structurally aliens and mm-hmm. really not that funny. Uh, Fucking each other for a percentage, I think, is one thing they actually like say in the movie. Are fucking each other over? Yeah, or they don't. Like they that, they leave I mean, out for a percentage, but yeah, that's... that would. They, yeah, but like, uh, it was Coyote that said it or something like that. I remember being like, "What the fuck?" And she's like talking to Burke Martin, and I'm like, "What is going on? <laughs> what is going that's on?" That's the French girl, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, very hot, very hot girl. But uh, yeah, that was that was uh, yes, that was. I don't know what character she directly represents. Ripley. I guess. Well, wouldn't Dave Batista be Ripley? No, he's Hicks. Yeah, he's Ripley. They're both like Ripley, though. Ripley's the one with the daughter, and he's got a daughter. Yep. No, they're both Ripley at times. It depends. But like she, like, like Ripley's the one that the uh, Burke closes the door on, right? And and uh, Martin closes the the door or the gate hatch. Yeah. On on um Coyote Lily or whatever her name is. Yeah, and then he immediately gets um, attacked by a zo- by the by the zombie tiger. Which right. is another weird thing was that we I know we'll get to the tiger eventually, but let's just throw it out now. Is the fact that the reference tiger, the VFX team, you know about this? The reference tiger, that the VFX team used for the tiger. Uh uh-uh. uh It's fucking Carol Baskin's tiger. No way, really. Yeah, so they that, that's a lidar scan of Carol Baskin's tiger then zombified. Weird. And, and, she and, had a and white the filmmakers were like, "We're making a movie. This movie's gonna be on Netflix." And she's like, "I just work with Netflix. They're gonna reveal that I'm a murderer or whatever." <laughs> wow, that's wild. I had no idea. Does she have a white bangle? Is it a white bangle, or did they just take a regular bangle and then just made it white? Uh, she has whatever fucking Carol Baskin has. I didn't. I didn't watch Tiger King. Oh, okay. I was always wondering if you knew if actually because um, I think it's a white it's tiger. A white- it's a white bangle in the movie because it's supposed to be one of uh, Siegfried and Roy's uh, tigers. And yeah, it, was, it was confusing. Haven't they been dead for a long time? Yeah, they would have been. I mean, they are now. Um, they say there's two tigers, but we only see one the entire movie. And I guess that's just budget. Yeah, I guess. Because they couldn't do two models and... I guess that's the reason why. But they do say that... Am I right? They, they, they said there's two tigers patrolling the, the border or something like that. And like that was like one of them. This whole movie was. I, I get the idea is like Zach made Dawn of the Dead, and at the time, zombies were a very niche thing with only a handful of movies made in the past, far off in the past. And it was really that movie and uh, Twenty Eight Days Later that kind of brought it back into the public consciousness and made it into uh, still burping. Yep. This, this this whole big big thing, but now he's like, I'm gonna revisit zombies, and it's like Zach, dude. Zombies have been fucking done, you know, like between, you know, we're now in season 11 of The Walking Dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. Zombies have reached such a uh, saturation point and that's that then there's a spinoff of Walking Dead, uh, Survive the Walking Dead, your Z Nations. But the most culturally significant thing uh, out there in terms of television, Game of fucking Thrones, also like it, it did a slow burn build the zombies and 
I'm, he says, like, you know, he had this idea for a sequel that, like, would have been right after Dawn of the Dead, a, a sequel in Las Vegas, and the idea of, like, introducing a sentient zombie who's the king, and he rides on a zombie horse, and they have zombie animals. But, dude, we're, we're now, like, five years after we got we went north of the wall and saw zombie bears and saw the Night King riding a zombie horse mm-hmm. and, and, and have gotten sentient... The idea of like, what if traditional zombies had like like self-aware alpha zombies who controlled them? And it's like, that's just the Night King. That's just the the, the White Walkers. I mean, right. uh, so and they ride. A, he rides an identical zombie horse, and uh, it's just like all of this has been done so much that like there's unless you have a really u- unique spin on this, you, you I'm not sure you really want to proceed with this film, and it didn't just not have a unique spin uh, on it. It actively just took one of the greatest movies of all time that doesn't have anything to do, just happens to not have anything to do with zombies, aliens, and just ripped off its structure in several scenes in terms of events throughout it, including its ending. Do you think, he, do you think like, he, but wait, do you think that he, he thought no one would notice? Yeah, that's or is it no, homage? No, if he if he if he was trying to get away with it, he would not put a he would not have put the exact same fucking red bandana on, on right. a chick in a tank top. He was like, "Look, I'm doing aliens," and they were like, "Well, xenomorphs were like a, a weapon, right? They're WMD essentially, right?" That was the idea so, that Bur- Burke was trying. The company and an alien as well. The company and what wants Prometheus them, taught yeah. us. And Prometheus is that yeah, the company wants them to turn them to a, a weapon. Well, no, Prometheus taught us that. We went out and searched to find the answer to who created human beings so that Guy Pierce could get an everlasting life. Let's not talk about Prometheus, but an Wait, alien, no, alien and aliens. Covenant. Alien Covenant sets it up that they're a WMD, I think. Yeah, but, but we don't really know exactly. I mean, they always want the thing to turn into a weapon. That's the that's the evil business yes. government thing. Is that they, we could oh, we could turn no, velociraptors into weapons? Like, they're but always, they're also an analogy for WMDs, right? That's my point. Like, that's the idea that like the the xenomorph in general is a WMD in the sense that it can. It is mindless and it can. It's it's a weapon. It's a shockwave. It's essentially a, a, it's a an ant colony that's a shockwave, and as it progresses, it can destroy. And the I idea mean, what, of zombies w, is the same way, didn't right? People use the term WMD until the Bush era, really. I mean, I, guess I know, nukes, I know, I know. Mean, I'm not saying nukes? that they're using those terms. I'm just saying that, like, essentially, they're simple. They're 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 masses of force. They're extinction level events. The xenomorph, in a way, it can be like an extinction level event for every species of anything except for xenomorphs. Yeah, zombies are the same thing, right? They're an extinction level event for all of humanity um that's my point is i was, I was i'm just saying like like they they're visually seen that way and so this film like what burke does right they like martin takes the head to be able to turn it into a real wmd type of thing right like a real super soldier serum or a real type of i, th- uh, I think method. they were trying to build an army of zombies hence the title army that. of the dead Right, but what's weird is Tanaka Bly or Blee or whatever his name is, and he owns a hotel. We never established like that he is also a person that wants an army. So it's really weird all of a sudden no. that he needs an army, like or he wants an army, like or he's gonna sell the head like that. No, Scorpion head- just ta- doesn't mention the head at all. He he's just talking about his name Scorpion now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tried to get uh, the the money from the the bank vault. It's not revealed right. until when they're inside by Garrett Dillon Hunt, who says we don't even want the money. We're just trying to get a zombie but head to sell it to the go- to the government. They didn't even know alphas existed in there. He didn't know. He didn't know that. But he was so like, how the hell could that have been their plan to get an alpha head? 
why the hell did they have to sneak in when the only reason they had to sneak in is because the military had declared it a no-fly zone if they're going right. in to sell something to the military? Yep, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make that doesn't make sense. Um, why do they it, even but, need to bother with the whole going into a casino? He kidnaps that fucking head like right by the entrance. They walk in and they see the queen. Yes, they could have done all of that at the very beginning when they walked in there. He Martin could have literally been like, "Whoa, guys, hang on, let me just take her head. We're done." He didn't need to kill them all. They could have gone in Why even in send them to the casino out. if he doesn't want the money? Here's why I think. This is why I think. The reason this movie exists, the whole reason this movie exists, which, by the way, felt a lot like a Suicide Squad film, yeah. right? Like this squad being put together that knows they're all going to die. Um, this whole movie exists because Zack could not make Justice League 2 and Justice League 3. And Justice League 3, the first two acts, were going to be this film. I mean, in all intents and purposes, it was going to be a post-apocalyptic world from the start of the film to the end of the second act, and then the third act of Justice League 3 would have been going back back in time to modern day. Now, Justice League 3's first two acts are all post-apocalyptic and heist movie. It's literally Justice League 3's plotline, the first two acts, were to get the mother boxes as a heist and bring them back so that cyborg could use them as energy fuel for the cosmic treadmill to send the flashback in time so he could go warn bruce about not letting lois die that was the whole purpose of justice league's first two acts of justice league three zach badly wanted to do clearly a post-apocalyptic heist film he just turned all of his thoughts and then made it into a zombie movie and made it into a contemporary time period piece as yeah. opposed to a, a superhero piece in the future and just kind of went through that and like did his his justice league as best as he could with a whole new skin on it and which required some obvious changes to the story just I th basically I think yeah, that's just, why. just what, what, what holes you have fill it with aliens correct yeah exactly what holes you have Fill it with aliens. He was watching aliens yeah. when he was re when he was writing the script. Clearly, but I think that's part of why he made this movie because I think he still had that bug in him, and you can tell he had that bug in him because he he for no reason ends Zack Snyder's Justice League with a flash forward into the future again to the Injustice timeline. Yeah, and it, knowing that. Warner Brothers is never going to follow through with a Justice League 2 or Justice League 3. This is still going to be just a random cliffhanger ending. And that's that. And so having knowing that he still needed to scratch that itch, even in Justice League, and that he made this movie, Army of the Dead, before the Snyder Cut was going to even come out, because he made this movie before COVID, that like he was clearly thought he was never going to get a chance to do Justice League again. And he put whatever little action sequences and ways he thought he wanted to play with that heist idea, he put it into this film. I don't think that makes it a better film. I just think it's interesting to think that maybe I think I, Justice League 3 is influences here. I would say it makes it not a real movie. This movie yeah. feels like it's ideas that don't mesh together, patched together with aliens, shot with lenses that shouldn't be used for the entirety of a movie. You can use them for one or two really cool shots, ideas that you have, but you don't just film regular dialogue scenes like fucking Scorpions giving exposition, setting up the scenes, and all I can think about is like, all I can see, one of his eyes is in focus and the other eye is out of focus. It's like, this is right. too shallow. Fucking distracting. It's fucking distracting, oh good. And, and Speaking of, oh, go ahead. That, that may be another thing is that he was buying these fucking lenses for like one brief sequence in a Justice right. League movie and just went insane yeah. and, and, you know, it was like 
fired by Warner Brothers and, and Netflix, like, dude, we'll give you ninety million. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But you got to do like, it's got to be like one of these fifteen marketable things. And he wrote down the fifty marketable things and like owls. I already did owls. Cats. I don't right. want to do cats. Uh, romantic comedy. I don't want to do that. Romantic comedy starring Indians. I don't want to do that. Ah, zombies. I'll do zombies. I can do that before. And they're like, do you have a movie? I'm like, oh, I got a movie. I just got to make it about zombies now. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. Except he added things to this that just didn't make sense, and he never followed through with them. And I, these are things the that robot zombie. Be, Is that what you're getting? Right. I was gonna say like because these are these aren't things that are like like plot holes in my opinion. They just like he clearly is going to expand on this no. in some other way. But like the the blue essence blood that happens when some zombies are shot in the head and they have blue essence that comes out of them, or the baby zombie. The baby that is going blue, blue essence, yeah. And then it just the blue goes away, or the zombie robots that make no sense, where they have blue glowing eyes. There's literally in, in the sequence where he's answered these things in like interviews too. He's just like no people he ask him. He's, no, yeah, he he's, he answered what the robot zombies were. He asked answered no. With the blue. He he said two different options. He and he won't tell you what they are. He says they could be either the government drones, yeah, or they could be the next evolution of zombie. Yeah, well, that's, I, th- I just took that as a yeah answer as the first one. Government drones. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't make sense if the government has no. that technology, right? It, okay, so first there's a few sequences. None of it like, makes sense, where, though. Where I you mean... see like at, around the pool, and they're, and, they're, and, they're, and he's got the baby, he's all upset. Uh, Zeus has the baby, he's all upset. And you see literally there's glowing-eyed zombie behind him, and then there's a wide shot. There's two different glowing-eyed zombies in there, the robot, the robot zombies. And then later when they're in, under attack at the vault, and they're kind of tucked away in the in the hallway, and uh, you have um, uh, uh, Vanderho or whatever, and Dieter are fighting off in one area, and then you have everyone else fighting Dieter. in another area, and they're all locked down because of Burke. There's a shot where they shoot a zombie comes around a corner and they blow his fucking head off, and it's like sparks and like go like crazy, and you're like, what? The? That's like the first time you really realize there's something going on. Like, I'll be honest with you, I watched the entire movie. I didn't notice the robot zombies or any of that shit. Oh really? I mean, I was looking at my phone. I was so shocked. Much of that movie. Oh dude. I was confused. I'm like, what the fuck were those sparks? Maybe that was supposed to be like the pellets from the shotgun bouncing off of the wall, like ricochets. But then later when they're going through the actual like casino floor, there's a point where Gooseman's character like shoots a zombie in the head and his fucking skin rips off and it's a uh, half of his face is exposed. It's a fucking Terminator. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? No, I think I, I, no, I mean, I've seen stills of it because – I, I, I've had to review this movie because, like I said, even when I was watching it, I, I felt like I could barely stand looking at it. I was just like, it's it's too shallow. It's too out of focus. There's two, there's two little things on my screen in focus right now. By the way, Baby Zombie was also in Dawn of the Dead, so he's got a thing for Baby Zombies. Well. Well, he likes that perspective. I was going to make an autumn joke, but that would be horrible. Uh, an autumn joke? Who? Oh, Autumn Snyder. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The, oh, my God. I'm not a Snyder fan anymore. <laughs> I am. Uh, but, again, this this movie is just... You you put this one alongside uh, uh, Sucker Punch of, of just, like, remind... Hey, studios, whatever you do, you give Zack Snyder a very specific assignment. You do not give him money and say, make movie. Because he makes decisions that are cool to him that fundamentally break the movie. Yeah, I, I, I think... The Bunch, that decision was, what if it was all in dreams and imagination? It's like, well, then there's no yeah. stakes. So you, nobody knows what the fuck they're looking at. And in this movie, he's like, what if I shot it with these fucking lenses from the 60s that should only be used for very specific circumstances, but I make an entire movie with them. And it's like, even... 
I mean, even Euphoria knew to use only specific times to have the fucking way too shallow When they're focus. drugged out of their minds yeah, or, or super depressed. Or, yes, or, or, or stuff like, or at a party and, and stuff's happening. It's like, not every fucking scene. You have to see the movie. This movie, I, I, I felt like there was a lot of really cool stuff out of focus <laughs> that I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to see it. And it was... It was distracting the entire film and uh, ruined the entire movie for me. And then the dead pixels on top of that are just obviously now that we know that this is not done in After Effects, this was actually done with the fucking lenses, knowing that like okay, so wait, more light was ever than it was ever supposed to hit uh, a red camera sensors were hitting it, and just like if you fucking shine a uh, a laser pointer at a or, or a laser pointer at a camera, it'll burn out a few pixels. It's like yeah. He was constantly losing pixels and then going in to darkness and, and filming a bank vault scene with the same camera. And it's just like, <laughs> then you got a, a, yeah. a glaring white pixel that just distracts me every time. I, I was just, I could not believe what I was seeing throughout this movie. It was just like one after another, like, why is Tig Notorious, Notorious Tig, Notorious T-I-G, what's her name? Tig Notaro? Uh, yeah, Tig Notaro. Tig Notaro. Uh, she was... Uh, why is she acting like there's a delay between her and Dave Batista? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, it's just because she was cut into the movie after the fact. I had to look. It was so distracting. I had to look for an answer while I was watching the movie. And that would just happen over and over again. And then all of a sudden I'm like, so it's not just Vasquez on that one line about fucking each other over. You're doing more alien stuff. Yeah. And now we're on the roof and the helicopter's not there. Zach, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, what, what? that was the one that was the well. Not only that, but like they land on the roof, and then it's like you better be here when I get back. And then they go, like that, like then then the uh, Dave Bautista's character right just goes by himself down, just like Ripley. And like that moment is like even the going down is so aliens, and that to the point where like when they when they're running up the stairs to go to the rooftop, no. I'm thinking to myself, it's not gonna be gone, right? Like, it's not going to be like Bishop left and then Bishop's going to reveal himself, right? And then literally they go out the door and there's no helicopter on the roof. I'm like, oh, no, you're doing it. And then they're like, you – I think he says, god damn you. I literally think but Dave Bautista says, god damn you. I don't think he says, he says Bishop, god damn, god damn it. you. He says, god damn it. Oh, god damn it. But that's practically part of the line that Ripley says. And then – you're sitting there, and then, like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, just wait for the helicopter to show up because, they're, I mean, right? They're not just going to kill these people yeah. here. And then the helicopter shows up. And it's and dead going, quiet, and then there's this? a helicopter seconds what later. Even though you can hear a helicopter. Yeah, trust me, I live in L.A. You can hear There's always a helicopter in the sky within six miles until it just sounds like there's always a helicopter in the sky. And that's with L.A. like L.A. city sounds. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, it, it's, it's dead quiet, and all of a sudden, like a fucking helicopter, like, with the explosions going on in... And aliens that's why ripley didn't hear the ship uh but it, it, was, it was along with the fact that she was re- literally ripley was facing the queen in that moment too yeah yeah they even, he even structurally gets it wrong but she gets all they, dave batiste said everybody gets on the helicopter and it starts flying away and then the door opens and the fucking zeus is there it's like you you didn't even know who was behind them at that point or if the zombies were even behind them no dave batiste is still on the ground when Zeus shows up behind him out of focus. Yeah, out of focus. I couldn't tell. But everyone else is on the, on the thing. It's not the like other way around where you're like, you're actually like, okay, well, now they're going to have to face Zeus on the rooftop. There's no helicopter. It wasn't that, which is what Aliens is. Aliens is like, okay, they, they got to face the queen now, and there's nothing there. This place is about to explode. By the way, the nuking of Vegas, yeah. for me, it felt very Return of the Living Dead, like the idea of nuking, every, nuking the zombies to make them go away. But the idea of... 
the government, the U.S. government, just moving the nuking up by a day because the president realized it wasn't a good idea to have the nuking on July 4th. No way in hell would any fucking nation be like, yeah, just move the fucking nuking up a day. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, no, there'd been so much paper, like, like trailed, like, oh, we got to no, figure we move, this out. The government moves dates back, not up. Yeah, they would not All be right. like, move it up a day. Let so, me, like, that, that was weird. I didn't agree with that. Uh, one thing I want to mention is is uh, I thought Dave Bautista was pretty bad in this movie, as Aww. were pretty much every every actor, uh, even Garrett Dillahunt, who's the only one I really recognized. I guess I recognize uh, Her- Haruku Sonata, uh, uh, Scorpion from Scorpion. Uh, but uh, this these these performances all felt like Z Nation probably has as good of performances. DJ Qualls was the lead, you know. Mm-hmm. And it had. Uh, I did not know that, by the way. Oh yeah, no. The um, uh, what's his name? The one Hispanic comedian actor uh, was was on it for a while. Oh, I can't remember him. Luigi from <laughs> Mario Brothers and the. Oh, John, uh, Jonathan Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Yeah, he was. He 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 joined the cast as like the lead in like the fourth or fifth season. Oh wow! I think I don't really fucking know. I don't know either. Uh, I I know DJ Qualls was on it. I'm sure of that, because he was also on Breaking Bad, and I spent the last several. Well, I've been rewatching Breaking Bad, so Breaking Bad's a fucking great show, much better Amazing than show. Z Nation. And you know what? Hmm. Very arti- such an artistic TV show. Not that shallow of depth of field for. It, they just had regular old cameras, probably you know opened up to like f one at one point eight or something, you know. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's depth of field. There's stuff in, in the background out of focus, but um, blurry doesn't mean good. <laughs> like shallow depth. I know that we all grew up on David Fincher movies and shit. Although David Fincher is known for really desaturated color palettes, so is Zack Snyder. He's known for a really shallow depth of field, so is Zack Snyder. He's also mm-hmm. known for really controlled motion. Like he like he love he doesn't use handheld at all. He's used like very very controlled motion where it's almost like the camera is an unnatural observer this is how he's described it uh zach for the most part has done that he's not really a a handheld person except for specific circumstances but this movie was like all handheld man of steel too yeah i guess man of steel is handheld but watchman does it watchman's all kind of controlled shots oh no yeah watchman's all like wonderfully set up shots yeah control shots yeah um but man of steel that was his perspective going into that was he was trying to do cinema verte well this this one yeah this, this one having uh even probably more handheld than, than man of steel uh because it's on the ground it feels like we're falling direct with the factors that on top of the depth of field th- those two don't mesh like if you're doing shaky stuff like paul greengrass keeps everything in focus because he's doing like a documentary style where you wouldn't you wouldn't want to have shallow depth of field, so he doesn't he does it that way. Uh, he just does shaky cam to the point where you can't follow the action. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got he got better at it, uh, and, and you know, I could follow Captain Phillips and, and the third James Bourne, Jason Bourne movie, mm-hmm. Bourne Ultimatum, I think. Uh, yeah. But yeah, supremacy. You can't fucking board supremacy. I mean, you can't fucking tell what the hell's happening in that movie. Anytime it goes into an action sequence, and it's like yeah. that was too much. But that wasn't because of depth of field. That was because he was literally, Shaky. yeah, having somebody literally run after. Probably not him because mm-hmm. he's pretty fat. I think uh, having somebody, a cameraman, run 
right after uh, uh, Ben Affleck. I know the other one. Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon. I called him Ben Affleck. Uh, they had a... Zach, Zach, but Zach, Zach's fit. Even though he's in his like early 50s, he's he's a fit dude who can obviously, oh, yeah. you know, run around and whip his fucking arm and stuff and, you know, really keep... He he was literally the one holding the camera and like all the making of stuff. Sometimes there'd be a yeah. B cam too, but he was always holding a camera and it's just like... Or he's holding lights and stuff like that, like LEDs. Um, but yeah, but the the Born Ultimatum just that was a lot of the camera. Chris, Christian Bale wouldn't stuck. like that. He'd have no one. To, he, he, he wouldn't have oh nobody to get God, mad yeah. at, and then have and the director involved in. Yeah, just yell at McGee for the the lights. Um, but yeah, uh, the Born movies they they utilize stunt performers as cameramen. Yeah, you, that, that's don't don't do, do that. Use cameramen as cameramen. Yep, that's why it, the shots don't look that great sometimes. Um, I think the the movie uh, Army of the Dead, like you said earlier, that you liked the opening uh, credit sequence. It's entertaining. Um, yeah, it, it also get, made me think this movie's gonna be like all like a trip to Vegas and it's with zombies and it's like nope, just the opening credit sequence. The rest so of the like, movie barely I, utilizes Vegas. The opening credit sequence to me is very tonally disjointed. Like coming off of Bud or Zeus ripping one of the dude's mouths off just like they do in Day of the Dead which I love that the jaw rip off mode um, and then going into the you know parody of uh, Viva Las Vegas song um, felt weird to have it be like Liberace but he's in that scene but he's not in that scene you know what I mean like he's in that he's literally in that hotel room but he's not there because the zombies don't even see him or are not attacking him they're attacking the high roller or whatever and then, so it's kind of like, it's tongue-in-cheek right there from the beginning. Even the point where, like, uh, in the song, they're like, watch out, Elvis. Yeah. Because uh, the, the Eiffel Tower is falling on him. Um, or I think it's a her Elvis. I couldn't tell. Anyways. Um, yeah, I couldn't either. It, that, that, that was, it, was, it was confusing. And then literally the way the titles, Elliot the opening Page, credit cards. Ballard. It doesn't matter. I'm her. It doesn't matter. Uh, Elliot looks great with, with his top off. Um, or their top and off. And he's know. ripped. He's ripped. He is ripped. Um, but the confusing opening credits, the actual title cards, like they were weirdly placed. Like it would, it would be weird. Like they would say like Zach well, yeah, and there was a huge space, space and them for Snyder. That. Yeah, that was that was funny. I didn't mind that. I, I I I was I was encouraged by the opening credit sequence and thinking like, well, okay, we'll have something unique and interesting here. But no. and then it went Suicide Squad though, even like where it had like all of a sudden you had these photo shoots where like it was like see the actor you know playing the role that like, we're gonna have a we're gonna have like a hero oh, I shot. About that. The, the meta, yeah. And that was like very Suicide Squad-y almost to me at that point too. And then and then the whole vignette, right? This whole opening sequence. Well, Suicide way, Squad. That, I bet you anything. That is Suicide Squad. They shot that stuff for like, all right, we got to get the actors for publicity stills, and we'll do publicity right. stills. And it's like use the footage of recording of the publicity stills to have them be bios. This felt Correct. like a creative purposeful. decision. Yeah, purposeful, exact. Not not. They were in the moment. Not some some dickhead editor who worked at Trailer Park fucking repurposing. Uh, right. stuff that was never meant to be in the movie right because like Dave Bautista when he's holding up his family photo like he's he's literally inside the grocery store that he just is about to save somebody from yeah so like yeah. so like yeah like they're 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 absolutely like integrated into the actual scenes but 
they felt very weird because they're like they're they're moments where you're setting up these characters, and then all of a sudden it, the whole opening sequence totally shifts. And what I was gonna say is Zach does a really good job usually with sequences. Like he's really good at sequences, yeah. like Chambers, the Vasquez character sequence when she dies. Like that's a really good sequence. Watchmen but is basically opening, like has has a bunch of little sequence vignette sequences sequence. in it, like the yeah. Doctor Manhattan origin, the word just kind of yes. detours, and it's like which is a great that's a great sequence. Yeah, it's a fucking great sequence. But he's doing but that because movie, that's what the comic book does, I assume. Yes, um, but this but this sequence in the in the film, the opening credit sequence, all of a sudden, it does a good job of like the very first photo shoot, like title card hero shot you get is of this woman that is actually not a character in the film at all. Yeah, and and then and then later we find out why because she's 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 you know she doesn't have her daughter with her anymore and she's lost her daughter and she doesn't know where her daughter is and you're following that throughout the whole story that this one member of their team the 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 Lost Vengeance or whatever crew. The one member of their team is this one lady, and she's looking for her daughter. She finds a pink sweatshirt, and she she throws it down. It could be her daughter's, and she's like, I don't want to believe it. And it's like all of a sudden the whole thing changes because she finds her daughter, and then it gets really sad. And then it becomes this incredible moment where the daughter is is, is getting pushed away from her mom because her mom's being eaten by zombies and the daughter's like I just lost my mom I'm not gonna lose her again sprints back into her mom's arms her mom's pushing her away going no and then as her daughter's on top of her she hugs her daughter they both hug each other as they're being eaten and then they drop the fucking like the uh, shipping containers on them yeah. and it's like what the fuck is going on here? I was like, oh, because like, I, 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 I naturally assumed, oh, it was Dave Batista's wife and, and this, uh, like, that was a different daughter. He had two daughters and one of them died? No, no, no. Though That woman is a friend of his, and that's her daughter that dies with her. There, that, That's not Dave Batista's girlfriend or wife or anything. But she also dies, right? Now, the sequence later where Dave Batista comes home and he find, hears, like, a zombie upstairs, and then he gets upstairs and he realizes it's his wife, yeah. and everything's out of focus... But he, I had trouble he really, telling what was happening at times. Yeah. That I love that sequence because I was like, oh my god! Because there's a moment in that sequence where the when the zombie, his wife zombie, turns around and realizes Dave Batista's behind her. She lunges at him, and the way he just grabs her and she just runs into him and stops like she's like water hitting a rock. Like the way she just kind of like has no muscle like to be able to like, actually attack Dave Batista, and he just holds her and then he just pins her against the wall and then slowly puts the knife in her head. Like that moment to me was like so Superman-y. Like the way he was just like, like there's like, he's so strong. No zombie can fuck with this guy. Like that was great setup because usually the way zombies are in films and TV shows, they're not superhuman strength, but because they're so animalistic and wild. The of Dawn of the Dead, I feel like he makes the zombies slightly stronger than they should be. They're pretty shambly and weak in the Romero movies. Yes, they are. Oh, for sure. Uh, they're faster, right? And 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 Dawn of the Dead in the remake too. The, but they they, they to seem that. like they can throw people and and leap and stuff. Like people can't leap. The alphas in this movie definitely you can't are strong. Try it. You can't leap from standing st- from standing ground onto the fucking hood of a car. Zack Snyder can because he put Batman leaping from the ground for no reason onto jumping onto Superman so they could fall through the fucking skylight during the battle. I I mean just watching no, that his cape today, his was, cape sl- even though he's in that harbor his cape slowed yeah. his fall. It's slow to fall, but no, but he literally like is running on top of the rooftop and just jumps up and somehow gets like six feet of air and it comes crashing down. No, the mech suit propelled him. The mech suit propelled him. The mech suit propelled him. The heavy ass. How the fuck does the Mark Mark One Iron Man suit fucking fly? 
Like, That's a totally different world. You cannot combine those worlds. That's the Marvel and DC. The, you can't combine those the, worlds. No, the DC mech suit that Batman uses in BVS is not designed to make him fly through the air. That suit is designed to be just strong metal to protect him from I'm punches. I'm saying that if a zombie is just a decay, we're talking about zombies, not Batman and Iron Man. Where yeah. If a zombie is just a decaying human being, why the fuck would it be able to uh, jump from the ground to the roof of a car? You can't do that. Maybe you. No, can. no, you can't. You can't. No, you can't. I agree. I agree. But like, but like, what I like though about like, Dave Batista's like portrayal, the- I would like to see you try. It looks like George Costanza in those fucking in, in the, the those special shoes where he's like trying trying to replicate Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. J- J- the Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy's the down. Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy had the special shoes. We never actually. Jimmy see will get Jimmy. you, Kramer. What? Jimmy will get you, Kramer. Uh, you never get to see Jimmy in the shoes actually jump. You just see George try to do it, and it, it's, yep. a, it's a joke that he only gets like six. I, I hope, I hope Jason Alexander was pulling his punch there, and that's like maybe that's his as, jump. as high as he can actually jump. It's you know he gets like an inch, not even like six compare that to barely. alpha jumping. Yeah. <laughs> Don't compare Jason Alexander to zombies. But anyways, I just I do like the fact that like Dave Bautista's character establishes that he's strong because when we get to the alpha zombies later, look at him, which are essentially I am Legend Dark Seekers. By the way, I literally was watching this movie at times going, so the alphas are essentially. Running Vegas like the Dark Seekers ran New York City and I Am Legend, except they can be out during the day. That's like the only difference. It felt, it felt like that because even in I Am Legend, there's the whole alpha, there's the alpha male and the alpha alpha female. The alpha males constantly, you know, trying to attack Will Smith's character uh, to get back the alpha female. They're hunting him down throughout the city to get the alpha female. It's the whole point in the end of the film that, like, in the end, uh, Will Smith realizes that they actually just all they want is the woman back. And and like this movie is very similar to that. It felt like a lot like I Am Legend in that way. And that's that's also I Am Legend, the comic book, the graphic novel. So it just kind of felt like a like a I don't know if it was an homage or again it was just like Zach kind of let something seep into his consciousness while he was writing this. But the way that they he uses the alphas is very similar to the Dark Seekers. Other than the other than the Dark Seekers have to stay in the darkness, right? Like that perspective is not what I'm referring the to. The Dark at Seekers all. are supposed to be vampires, so like I mean, they, the fact that like it, that movie made them so nondescript that they just come across seeming like zombies more than vamp because the whole night thing was vampires, and then Will but Smith vampires- them with blood, a vial of his blood at one point, but they never right, established vamp- that they suck blood really. No, they're not vampires like Dracula, right? They're more like vampires in the sense of living dead. So in that way, that's yeah. why they were easily enough transferred over into zombies, and that's why they have that. The, their one weakness is is light. Um, the the thing that I thought was the most tr- intriguing aspect of this entire movie, and I've seen other people online also feel this way, that is one of the saddest things that was never explored was the shamblers dry up in the sun and come alive in the rain. Yeah, it never rains. And it never rains. And I definitely thought that was Chekhov's gun for the rain. I'm like, oh, oh, it's going to rain at the end of this movie. Because, like, just like Dawn of the Dead and practically every zombie genre film, um, the the main character, Dave Bautista, in this film gets bit. Just like in Dawn of the Dead, the main guy gets bit. Uh, his name's Michael. Uh, he gets bit um, as well and, like, has to sacrifice himself for the greater good of the group. And then also – Oh, you mean the remake great- of Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, the remake, right? Yeah, the remake. Sorry, the Zack Snyder version I'm referring to. Yeah, that actor. And also, I, that, just that, like, that actor is in that and in Meet Joe Black, and those are the only things I know that actor in. He um, he's 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 good in uh, Dawn of the Dead. Um, what I like about that too is that Dawn of the Dead also the uh, Zack's version Look ends with um, 
essentially the group dying, right? And then this movie ends with everybody essentially dying too, even Dave Bautista's character. Um, and then uh, you have uh, even uh, Vanderhoe or whatever his name is also essentially going to turn into a zombie by the very, very end. So it's nice that they kind of continue that genre, um, uh, kind of motif, that trope of the genre. But there was something I thought that was very wild in this movie, it, and, it, and it didn't get explored, and I'm okay with it. It was the point where we get to the safe, the vault, and they see the that there's like a, 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 a team that was there before them, and there's like a time loop potentially going on and you even have Vanderhoe's character like talking about the time loop and I felt like that was again Zach homaging his Justice League film um uh part two and part three there, that, that time loop thing is like that's got its own fucking reddit page of course the people are like yeah. it's, it's, it, it's real it holds up I think I don't I, I have not done enough research into this Felk and I think it's supposed to be meta is, in the in the context of the movie it might be meta in the context of the movie but and that's the only reason why it's there, right? But I'm going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on this film. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie is a secret Justice League Part 2 and Justice League Part 3. and Or this is just at least a Justice it's League Part It's barely a two. movie, so why wouldn't... But it can be. I mean, it can be a lot of things. I think he snuck in a lot of what he wanted to do with his Justice League films into this. And I think that you might oh, be God. seeing clues to what his Justice League film would have been um, I, I, but there's a difference between a superhero genre and a zombie genre and they don't necessarily transfer very well they're not necessarily a one to one ratio on transfer but besides the time loop which was very odd the non-lethal booby traps that turned out to be incredibly lethal yeah. like how the fuck do you put money into those vaults you have to like because those booby traps were working even though they had obviously there would be a deactivation key of some kind but that wasn't established in the the, the that wasn't established and then like what was the main guy's uh like uh uh scorpion what was his like plan to not tell them that there were actual lethal traps booby traps because he says there's non-lethal booby traps but two of them are clearly lethal was he just going to kill his own team? Like, what was the fucking goal I, there? I, apparently, he didn't care if he got the money or not. He just wanted the uh, the zombie head, the sentient alpha head. So. He did, but he didn't even know that existed until he, he sent his guy in there. Yeah, but his guy also said that that was the only real reason that we, we sent you in the first place. He says but that. I, I'm pr- I, I, that. He does say that, which is weird because the coyote makes it seem that when we finally deal with the alphas that nobody knew alphas existed and they th- what they thought was that on the other side of the wall were just shamblers and that nobody realized that oh the shamblers are dried up and it's actually alphas running this fucking area yeah I mean I liked oh, establishing oh there's different classes of zombies and they didn't really do anything w- with it Zombie robots, yeah, not even they didn't mentioned. Do, they didn't, no, no, that wasn't even acknowledged in the... Not even Gooseman when he blows that one zombie's face off and it completely shows the Terminator underneath. Not even him goes, what the fuck? Like, there wasn't even that moment where he goes, what the fuck? That was a robot? Like, they just completely moved past it. Yeah. They did not give a shit. Um, I guess the last Easter egg I just want to talk about is uh, the Snyder Cut was in the vault. Yeah, yeah, um, I saw it, that. Noticed that, too. You can see that in the trailer for this movie. Uh, it, so it's not something that's new to just this movie. Obviously, people knew about this before the movie even was released. Yeah. But it's nice to see it there. It's nice to think that this movie that was made before Justice League got to be released as a Snyder Cut, that he was going to somehow reference its existence in a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. 
even if that never happened. So assuming COVID never occurred and that because if COVID never occurred, the Snyder Cut never would have happened. Yeah. If COVID never occurred, he wouldn't have, just, the movie wouldn't have been delayed and him giving the time. Correct. We they would have had to release the Cristelia cut. Right, exactly. And and we would have seen the Snyder cut in the background. It would have been that Easter egg. So that was that was it's, it's fun that that was something he was setting up as a little Easter egg that yeah, it exists and here it is in that film. Um, but yeah, we got it instead, and we got it beforehand. So, well, Yay. he was also he, in terms of the other things he probably was planning on using for Justice League too. Uh, he was buying them dream lenses for a reason, and he when he got you know the chance to at least do like one new scene in, in the nightmare uh, right. to tack on to the end of the Snyder Cut because uh, I've seen filming of like it, it looks like they're in a nondescript warehouse or maybe like a hotel's fucking conference center or something and they just for what for filming the nightmare sequence for uh, uh justice league some of it was also filmed on his driveway yeah i mean I, i've heard that too at his house at least i, I didn't know driveway. he actually he jokingly refers to the end of justice league as as a production company called driveway productions because hmm. i mean it's it's in terms of real shit there's just that old car that Jared Leto's sitting on and everything else is uh, uh, yep. uh, fake and, and you if you have a green screen obviously you can make the background as blurry as you want because it's, it's just being composited but he used right. the dream lenses to film things like the, the distance from Jared Leto's hand to his face and it mm -hmm. is as blurry as I've seen anything be to the point where I assume that was also compositing that maybe the hand and fucking face and the card were, were separate. Although you can see his arm, I think, holding it out. So, like, he he was probably going to use those lenses for a large section of the Justice League 2. Maybe all of the Nightmare stuff would have been shot kind of the way uh, Army of the Dead is. And if so, no, that would not have been good. Too blurry. It would have been a lot. Yeah, it would have been way too much. Um, it was too much in just the, the one five-minute scene in... Uh, in Justice League, uh, I I find it a little weird. I mean, again, because like it's it's you're focusing on the Joker, and he's like, uh, you know, his his face is completely out of focus because he's focusing mm -hmm. on the card because he's crazy, you know, he's it's insanity. But no characters in this movie are insane, so it didn't right. really make sense to be filming them in an insane way. Joker's chaotic, so it makes. And sense you got to give something to camera. yeah, you got to give something to Jared Leto's Joker because there's just nothing there. So you might as well, like, oh, he's, he's shot weird. That's how he's right. different from uh, Jared Leto. <laughs> or from, from uh, Heath Ledger, I mean. That's how Jared Leto's different from Heath and, and Nicholson. Is that and Caesar. He's out of focus because <laughs> he's so crazy. He makes the camera blurry. Um, speaking of characters, was there any character you liked? I know you said you they're all kind of like not the best version wanna... version of these characters or actors, but um, or you didn't care for the acting. But was there a character you enjoyed or a character death you enjoyed? Looking up, no, not at all. Uh, in particular, I did not like the four minutes of Garrett Dillahunt getting mauled by a tiger. I looked down at my phone it. and I'm like, look at home. Surely he's not did we cut away? <laughs> it's been four minutes of me looking at fucking Dude, Twitter. He still gets mauled by the tiger. My favorite thing when, in Man when, of Steel. When, 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 uh, when uh, Burke dies, you just he, he closes the door and Ripley backs away, and then you see the fucking uh, uh, Xenomorph behind him, 
and, right. and it just cuts because you know what happened to him. And then you this see is the Xenomorph's like, mouth open up, you got, right? Yeah, and you, got it, you got it. You got it. Yeah, this one has a, the exact same shot, but it's the zombie tiger, and I'm like, cut because it's aliens. I, I get it now. I, I figured it out, Zach. And then it, it said like the zombie attacks him, and I'm like, all right, let's see what's on Twitter. What did British Fetus say? Uh, you know, <laughs> various people I follow, uh, and and then looking up two minutes later, and she's like was that continuous and i've heard i've read other reviews being like yeah i guess it was continuous he was just getting we, we a long a long zombie tiger mall because you gotta i love it because man of steel did that too right like the whole zod fight with cal was like there, he threw him through a building and it kept going through another building go through another building go through another building go through another and you're like you're going dude is he gonna go through another fucking building <laughs> and, and then and then he did and and i felt the same way with the tiger like every time the tiger hit gary dillahunt and it slightly hurt him more. I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this going to keep going? To the point where it slices his throat, and then you have the best arterial blood splatters I've ever seen, where they're like gloop, like gloop of blood. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I loved it. I love that death. Um, my favorite character was Vanderho. I love that Vanderho, when he goes to get his uh, saw out of the ground, he's shirtless. He has an Omega symbol on him. Oh, what's really? great is that, yeah, he has an Omega symbol tattoo on his chest. And that's kind of like a reference to Dark Side, right? But like at the same time, in in the Greek alphabet, you have Alpha and Omega, right? The first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And I love that Alpha is the first the first Alpha zombie we see is Zeus, Z, the last letter of our of the of the English language alphabet. And you have he's an Alpha, and then the very final zombie we have, which is um, uh, Omar Hardwick's uh, Vanderhoe, he has an Omega. Uh, tattoo on his chest so it's the alpha to the omega zombies and i love i just love that little tease that little like there's a little something there like that's fun and it makes me like that character i like i actually liked um uh, omar hardwick he's not a big actor and i kind of liked him in this movie and i thought to myself dude i must have seen him in a bunch of shit and i looked it up and i ha really hadn't seen him in anything and i thought he was fun I, I don't understand though how he survives the nuke in in the vault gets out of the vault and isn't radiated unless that's the reason why it slows Indy, down. Indy just got right out of that fridge. He was fine. Yeah, Andy did. Um, th what's weird though is that like he literally is taking the longest of everyone in this film to turn. So I'm yeah, assuming Dave Bautista does it like thirty seconds. Yeah, so I'm assuming it's because he's radiated, and that's why it took him longer to turn. I'm sending you photos but of it, Nora Arnadzadur. That's the uh, chick who plays Lily, the coyote. She's uh, yeah, she's she's my uh, uh, fuck me from this movie. I'm getting that out. Oh of my life. god! I'm assuming you'll pick um, Dave Batista. I'm gonna go with Samantha Wynn. I fucking like she's her. hot too. Samantha she's Wynn hot too. Yeah, I thought she was really hot. Um, she she she's very hot as an Amazonian. She's very hot as a Kryptonian too. She's hotter um, as a Kryptonian. I remember that one hot Asian Kryptonian. I was like, she, yeah, she, she's got a few shots. She's, she's the one that's chasing Zach, Lois. I guess, um, probably. She chases Lois the most on the Black Zero when Lois is trying to escape the yes. Black Zero with the help of Russell Crowe. It's it's Jessica uh, Wynn. Yeah. Or Samantha Wynn, sorry, that uh, chases her. She's the one who shoots um, the, into, the, into the fucking thing, into the castle. Did you have a favorite, did you have a favorite type of zombie in this film? Character Car zombie? Carol, or? I guess Carol Baskin's zombie uh, <laughs> tiger. Uh, the horse was a live action horse with prosthetics on it. 
Dude, at one point, I thought the horse was not even like a, uh, a live action horse with prosthetics on it. I thought it was literally like a statue that someone was. Because there's one point the horse doesn't even move, and someone's sitting on the horse or the uh, Zeus is It was a real horse. horse. It was a real horse and prosthetics. That's, a, it that's, didn't a, that's move. actually a. That, weirdly enough, is using uh, a technique. They're, they don't say it in the movie, but they're like, you know, we developed ways. People have developed ways to uh, add zombie prosthetics to animals that go with humane laws where you can't actually apply makeup directly to an animal so you basically just make a tarp and then put the, the zombie horse skin on the tarp and then put the tarp over so the, the horse just thinks he's wearing a tarp uh, right. and uh, that was created for the first Resident Evil was that uh, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson was about to like super, super glue shit to dogs and, and they're like yeah. you can't fucking do that you can't put any glue on a dog <laughs> he's like uh, figure it out and somebody figured out and basically put, yeah, make a dog suit and put the dog yeah. into it they put dog suits on them with like and then they just had to uh, digitally add the dog head to it right when the dog head would split open or whatever the fuck the dog heads don't split open until Resident Evil 4 uh, uh, oh really uh, okay the fourth movie nice. referencing um, the fifth game Resident Evil 5 is when the dog head split open I agree with you. I like the tiger zombie. I thought that was fun. It was nice. Well, to I like the Carol Baskin zombie. connection because Carol Baskin apparently had someone murdered or something, and her, her husband, husband, yeah, uh, allegedly, yeah, fed him to tigers, and she's just walking free. Whereas the man, you had to go to prison for trying to kill Carol Baskin. I mean, or, hi or hiring a hitman to do it. Yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun story. Check it out. Nope. Um, so this movie, Army of Army of the Dead, yeah. I almost said Army of Darkness. Army of the Dead the um, is is a franchise material. No, it's uh, not. It has a live act. I know. Oh, it's it's coming. We have a live action prequel that's already being worked on. That's called Army of Thieves. That is like uh, you know uh, going to follow Dieter and his character uh, through the early days of the zombie uh, breakout in Vegas. Um, and then we're getting the anime prequel series called Army of the Dead Lost Vegas, and that follows the Lost Vengeance crew in the early days of uh, the zombie breakout in Vegas as well. I think it's going to be an anime version of them. I think it's going to be an anime version of essentially the opening sequence or the title sequence. We're going to see them saving people and getting people out of Vegas. That's what you want to um, see. I mean, like, I'm, tick I'm sick of zombie post-apocalyptic uh, scenarios of zombies the part that you want to see the part that's really interesting and the part that still has unmined potential throughout all of this zombie renaissance shit is uh the actual fall of society actually like, world war z yeah the what world war z attempted to do but then did it on a global scale and ended up just being fucking propaganda for how great the un is i love post, world war z post-covid boy does that movie not fucking uh, hold up the the, the fucking no. UN is the one preventing fucking Brad Pitt and his fucking incredibly gay scarf are, are flying around the world and preventing fucking COVID I shit. love that scarf uh, the, 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 the scarf just just strengthens the whole idea that this is somebody who really believes the UN does good and well, I, that's the sequel of this movie. Post Trump, it, post fucking COVID. If it, how could anyone think that the UN? An organization that forces fucking America to give money to the goddamn Wuhan lab, laboratory, laboratory lab uh, in Wuhan, and that for year for the better part of a year, more than a year, we were told uh, saying that the fucking virus was from the lab in Wuhan was like racism Racist. and just uh, 
feeding into anti-Asian racism. Didn't stop us from talking about it, though. We talked about it. We never stopped. We always th- believed that after the the first few months... It just came out that it actually came from the fucking lab. It's like, it's, it's yeah. pretty much not debatable yeah. anymore. And it's like, oh, and we also knew that like six months ago, but we just didn't tell you because, you know... Dude, they knew that in February, but they were literally told not to go go, go down that route. Like, literally, the one of the reporters at the New York Times has come out and said, like, that he was told not to go down that route. To not go down that perspective, and so they just flat out said it's been debunked. The lab theory's been debunked, and they just did it because it was an anti-Trump thing. Um, and that's, that's not true now. Now we're realizing that's it's it's the people are saying like you know they're hedging their bets, right? Where they're being like, well, it's more likely now than, it, but it still could be an, like a other potential natural you know origin to the virus. The no. No, it came from it came from a lab. It was an accident, and it's, it came from a lab that's had many problems in the past and has been cited for having lots of issues in the past when it came to handling infectious and contagious diseases. And when you find out that literally several staff members of this lab were sent to a hospital in November 2019 because they were incredibly sick with something new, you're like, of course, that's it. That's it. We were so f- we were so fucked. And it's not, it's like, it's not funny anymore. And uh, it's, it's scary. And, and yeah, we got aliens coming in a matter of days now. We got alien, it's, it's on a Friday. They're just going to casually be like, President Biden has yet, yet to comment on the recent revelation that we've housed the nope. alien extraterrestrial from 1977 to 19, or I guess 1947, whenever Roswell happened to the, maybe the mid seventies when, he finally died. Uh, what's his name? The alien we have? The one who's given Biden a... EB, EB1. Is that his name? The first alien, apparently, from Roswell that was that did survive. But who, or... who's the one who's been given uh, Biden advice recently? Skinny Bob? Oh, no, Ployd. Plod. Plod, yeah. Plod, Plod. Plod. Yeah, that was like, yes. and Plod's been... Do, like, Plod told us not to tell you about the Chinese laboratory. It's right. going to come out, and we're just going to be... All right, here's how fucked we are. Let's... Let's pick. Let's pick a name. This is our politics, Ballard. Okay. Alien lands. All right. The alien aliens have landed before. But this is the first. This is an ambassador from the planet. He's actually officially making first contact, and he lands on fucking the the Washington Mall or fucking New York or some shit. Who's the first person we send to talk to that alien? Who? Sh- you got to pick. Can't be you. You just say Ballard picks Ballard, and he gets to talk to Plot or whoever this this new alien is. What person? Do we send? Doesn't have to be a politician. Doesn't have to be Kamala Harris. Doesn't have to be Joe Biden. It can be George Clooney. Who do you send? Tom Cruise. That's a pretty good one. I'm sending James Cameron. Ooh, James is a great one too. I feel like James. James already like he knows what he needs to say to not get us fucked. I think Tom does. Maybe I'd send Rand Paul too. (laughs) I think I think Tom will actually uh, tell the alien that he's way out of line with some of his lines of questioning. And will actually yell at the alien, and the alien will feel bad. Starts jumping on a couch. <laughs> yeah, or he gets excited with the alien. Um, okay, so <laughs> or the alien gets too close to him. It's like, look, see this meter, see this stick. <laughs> yeah, you have to be yeah. from there. Plod, you got to be there. Be there. Do it again. You're gone. <laughs> yeah, Tom Cruise looks at Plod and goes, "I am the gold standard. <laughs> we are the gold standard." <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving back to Army of the Dead. Let's wrap this up. So we talked about the live-action prequel that's going to follow Dieter called Army of Thieves and then the anime prequel series that's going to be following the Lost Vengeance crew. There is a potential live-action sequel that might get announced on June 7th or June 9th. Um, Netflix is having a special live event 
where this announcement might happen. And they told people essentially to stay tuned for a potential announcement for a sequel to Army of the Dead. The sequel to Army of the Dead would... Eagerly awaiting that, man. I can't wait. I bet. I know. Every day I'm on Twitter. Is it announced? it's going to give you what you want. It's it's essentially Omar Hardwick's character, Vanderhoe, heading into Mexico City and turning and then all hell going loose in Mexico City. Boy, do City. I not give it, a shit about seeing that. But it's, 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 it's the fall of humanity. It's the fall. You're going to see the actual full-on fall occur in that movie. Yeah, but on a very low budget. I want a big budget fucking the world falling apart. That's the part they always they always have their main character get knocked into a coma. They've done two different versions, two different movies, have their, or two different franchises have a character knocked out. Because days later is a franchise with two movies and a potential yep. third script that never got made. Um, you know, you, ha- you, ha- you don't fucking show the fall. You fucking have your main character knocked out and then suspiciously exactly four weeks later, they wake up. Yeah, and then it's we haven't received our we haven't received like a legitimate Independence Day level zombie film yet. I mean, that's what World War Z tried to do, but but that, even that is still like lower, like it's ground lower level. Than, yeah, you're always sticking with the uh, yeah, the or like it's like or it's cheapened by like uh like they purposely like the whole North Korean set right where like it's all giant runway and at night other than like when you're in a tiny little like bunker for a little bit like so they made a lot of cheats in world war z to be able to like make it work like when they go to the cdc in scotland or wherever the fuck it is and then just in in a fucking corporate like you know building a corporate fucking campus for the remainder of the film and like the reality is like they went and shot in like like Leningrad or Stalingrad Square, wherever the fuck it was, and like had this huge, incredible, like ending oh, third act. Brad got to travel. <laughs> yeah, he did. Brad yeah, gets did. to travel. You don't get Brad without like. Where do I film this movie? Oh, you'll you'll be in New Mexico. No, 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 no. I'm thinking like Lake Cuomo. You know. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yep. Um, anyway, am I pronouncing that wrong because of the Cuomo brothers? No, no, no. It's you're right. It's Cuomo. Lake Cuomo. Okay. Yeah. That's that really nice lake that's uh, on the Swedish-Italian border that everyone goes to that, that knows, like, you know, Clooney's and those types. Yeah, in a, in a barely uh, barely comprehensible uh, action sequence in Quantum of Solace. Uh, and... Takes place and uh, driving around it. I think that's where Naboo is. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. That's that's where... Yeah, that is... Uh, well, no, that's where... Yeah, no, it is Naboo. It's like the, the, the fancy part of Naboo. <laughs> Yeah, Attack of Clones part of Naboo, I think, is definitely Lake Cuomo. Yeah. I want to go back to Naboo and have the baby born there. Yeah, by the waterfalls with the giant tick cows. Um, all right. Well, I think this is good. We're done here. In reality, in reality, the first the, – the alien spaceship's going to land, and, like, the first person who gets to talk to it is going to be, like, Muriel Bowser or uh, Ilhan Omar – and she's going to be like, this country is terrible. It needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. And the aliens are going to be like, all right, fuck it. I guess that's what we that's do. It. Crush all the systems and rebuild them in a better light. And then I go, I You're, you're gone. Kodos. You're gone. <laughs> yeah, Our half but, of you is. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. We're good. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Cool boy nation. Give us your dead boys. Oh God. For Army <gasps> of the Dead by emailing us at the Cool Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Like loves. I was reading the, the URL. Now they won't know what to type in after Cool Boys Podcast. What did you say? It's more it's more important that they know that Hillary Clinton likes dead boys. <laughs> she likes dead people. 
Like making people dead with their problems. <laughs> and then eating their faces. I don't know if she does allegedly. that um, And wearing their faces. Yeah. Like, I think she drinks. Apparently, apparently wearing the faces of children while they're alive um, allows their them to get more scared, allegedly. That which then at that point allows more adrenochrome to be released in their system. Who said this? Which, which makes it better to eat them. Who said this? Where did this come from? This is the conspiracy theory about Hillary. You don't know this shit. I mean, I know about scaring them to make the adrenochrome uh, come out or whatever. That's the whole conspiracy theory. I thought you knew this shit. I mean, yeah, like, the whole conspiracy theory is about you're Hillary. not helping she, like, me. I'm trying to live in a world in which we can start normalizing, <laughs> believing that the Clintons have had political and financial opponents to them off by professional hitmen and stuff. And you're like, yeah, and they drink their adrenochrome and eat babies' faces, and it's like, you're not helping justice happen here. What if that's true? <laughs> I don't think it's true. But... Oh, my God. I did a great April Fool's on my wife. She told me beforehand. Making like, she told me like a distribution few... of this podcast allegedly supported she... over 1,500 jobs. It involves she told me a few months hours. ago. She told me a few months before April. She's like, she's like, I feel like you're going to do a long con on me for April Fool's Day. Because I always do a really good April Fool's Day. And so I was like, no, I've got nothing planned. But then because she said that, like it sparked interest. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do a long con. So then I looked up some a whole bunch of shit on like the whole baby eating cabal thing. You were on Apple and, like, Podcasts, Batman Beyond, and I, like, Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. I memorized as much as I could. And then like I was like I would throw it at her every once in a while. And like to the point where she literally was like, oh, my God. Is my husband really do believe in this stuff? <laughs> I don't know if is you it? do. I thought you do believe this stuff. Oh, no. I, you don't I, believe the yeah, adrenochrome do. stuff? You don't believe the <laughs> I, fucking I do. harvesting totally do, adrenochromes yeah. to summon interdimensional demons? So real. So real. For sure. It's all happening. Of course. Do you believe in aliens? Which version of me? Shut up. <laughs> yeah, no. This is... You've turned this into fucking Batman and Beyond. I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I don't know. I don't, but, you know, at the same time, maybe. I was called crazy for, you know, thinking that maybe 70,000 or so specific votes across three different counties, across three different states were inflated. And now we're doing audits in those states and finding out, yeah, in Arizona it probably happened, so fuck it. But don't look at the other two states or whatever. It's like. Don't forget who called Arizona first. And then, like, the same people are like, but aliens are happening soon. I yeah. lost you again. Don't forget Arizona what? was called by Fox. Yeah, I know. And George Soros emailed Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch sent an email saying, call it for fucking Biden. I guess. Yeah. Soros is more powerful than Murdoch? I never would have thought. I think so. I think he's probably the I most... I, I, you know, I, mean, I, I think they're all part of the same fucking club. So, well, Murdoch is uh, Australian, and uh, Soros is a Jewish person that was probably brainwashed by Nazis, and he's technically a Nazi now. That's that's the that's the conspiracy on Soros, at least. <laughs> Thank you for listening, which is almost as bad as being Australian. But <laughs> stay cool, cool boy nation. Until next time, it's Biesies from Easy Peasy Japanesey. Oh yeah, that was that line was in there. I, I wonder yeah. how that guy felt about that scorpion yeah he had to say it yeah and did you say did you, oh, i'm sorry did you say your whole name yeah easy peasy japanese you felt okay, i'm not good, japanese sure. i can't say that though <laughs>
So mm. yeah, but Hiro Yuki Sanada can say it anytime he wants, apparently, because he doesn't care about the actual new PC version, and that's Bizey from Easy Peasy Lemon Squeezy. Right. Quick outro. Ballad. I'm finding out where this is. Where this is. Where this is from. Because I what, the Easy Peasy Japanese and Easy Peasy Lemon Squeezy. Where is this coming from? Um, easy peasy lemon squeezy. I learned from Michael Kane in Austin Powers, uh, gold member. Oh, the census is in, uh, easy peasy Japanese. You said in the 1994 movie of Shaw's Sake Redemption. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. What a, what a weird, like, line to put in his movie. Easy peasy Japanesey. I like that Tignataro was like, whatever, he can say it if he wants to. <laughs> I like that she did that. That was cool. Oh my oh, god. Oh, so it was it was a, 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 a commercials in the seventies and British TV commercial. That's why we don't know it very well. Uh, oh. A little. Uh, it was it was a Asiany kind of named uh, product, and a little Asian girl was like, "It's easy peasy Japanesey," and then they changed it to easy peasy lemon squeezy because it smelled like lemons and also not racist. Right. Um, we did in the United States. We did uh, Calgon, uh, which was like you know ancient Chinese secret, huh? And it turns out to yeah, be yeah. I guess Calgon. I guess I guess there was a lot of um, Asians were used in in detergents and soaps commercials. It's like a like a mascot back when that was uh, you know racial sensitivity wasn't a thing. You know that makes me wonder because yeah, it, that, that's referenced in the in the Pacific. The the fucking one of the early episodes, uh, one of the generals is giving them talks uh, about like going up against the Japanese. Is like you got commercials got you you know thinking you're you're up against a cartoon character that sells laundry detergent. But the, the Japanese soldier I know is a hardened uh, killing machine or whatever. And it's like I'm like what laundry detergent? I guess that was a thing like in the past. Yeah. Like, we used to use them for. Uh, uh, horrible oh. stereotypes to sell in BVS, various cleaning in, products. In BVS, Lex Luthor says right before Doomsday comes out of his sack, no. he says, "Ancient Kryptonian deformity," but he says it to the same beat as ancient, ancient Chinese, Chinese secret. secret. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's been around for a long time. That's the reference yeah, in yeah Wayne's World too, obviously. Calgon. Yeah, it's also referenced in Simpsons, right? The whole like. Uh, laundry detergent and uh, dishwashing detergent. Yeah, well, Homer sees Homer's himself as, as as the as the uh, the light bulb man. He's yeah, well, no, he it looks like Homer, their their mascot, does, yep. and he's very confused. And at the very end, it's revealed that it's it, they just took a, a fish mascot and burst it with a light bulb. And that's, yes, that was that was also during the decline of the Simpsons. But individual jokes were quite funny still. Yeah, what season was that? Like season nine, 10? I think nine or ten. Yeah, season nine. I think nine. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up to the episode. Bye. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Bye, everyone. I'll stop recording. You are standing American boy. Fire! You've excelled in all things. Oh my God. You son of a bitch. Fire! See, I got a huge cock. Oh my God. So you can run and tell that. God damn. Oh boy. I'm not in that damn cell. Get out of here. The whistles got woo.